नमस्ते जय हिंद वेलकम टू अनादर एडिशन ऑफ एन आई पॉडकास्ट विद स्मिता प्रकाश जॉइनिंग मी ऑन दिस एडिशन इज माई कॉलीग अजीत दुबे एडिटर नेशनल सिक्योरिटी थर्टींथ अप्रैल 2023 मार्क्स द थर्टी नाइन्थ एनिवर्सरी ऑफ ऑपरेशन मेक दूत इट वॉज द इंडियन आर्मी ऑपरेशन टू सीज कंट्रोल ऑफ द सियाचन ग्लेशियर विच वॉज कंसिडर्ड द हाइएस्ट बैटल फील्ड इन द वर्ल्ड In 1984 the Kumau regiment one of the oldest infantry regiments of the Indian army and units from the Ladakh scouts nicknamed snow leopards were tasked with the responsibility of digging into and controlling the critical peaks and passes of the glacier why was this significant what role did it play in the india pakistan conflict did we learn lessons from the operation on the loc the line of control between india and pakistan and has it come into play when our forces deal with the ground situation at the line of actual control with china to speak on operation meghdoot i have with me lieutenant general sanjay kulkarni recipient of the param vishisht seva medal ati vishisht seva medal shaurya chakra sena medal vishisht seva medal thank you for coming on the podcast general kulkarni it's an absolute honor to have you here 39 years since operation meghdoot you were a young uh, officer then so tell us what happened then Firstly, thank you very much uh, to have invited me. It couldn't have had a, I could not have asked for a better platform. Wonderful, thanks once again. Now going back, uh, 1984 that you referred to when we launched Operation Meghdoot. Of course, as a young captain, I was familiar with that area, and uh, that is where we had that advantage. And more than anything else, it is uh, again like they say in the army, it's not one man who does it; it's a team that does it. So I owe whatever. Uh, now that i am sitting in front of you i owe it entirely to my men my seniors and uh, the battalion that i was commissioned into fokoma having said that uh, let me tell you that uh, in 1978 to begin with for the first time uh, i got to know that something like siachen is there that's primarily because colonel n kumar bull kumar bull kumar he was the commandant of the high altitude warfare school and since he was the commandant high altitude warfare school he was taking some officers on to siachen and as part of the course we had to climb a peak called stoke mangreen lake and the we were also there and that's where we found out that seniors are going in a different direction and that they were going to a place called siachen glacier and that's where we heard for the first time siachen glacier and not knowing that subsequently in 83 and then 84 i would also be a part of it now how this particular thing came up was because kal bulkuma uh, while interacting with one of his own uh, foreign uh, mountaineer realized that the map that he was being shown had a straight line drawn from a point called nj9842 joining the karakoram pass now that alerted him as to how come uh, this friend of his is carrying a map and has uh, the point joining straight and mountains you don't have straight lines because the the karachi agreement stated uh, point nj9842 dense north onto the glaciers hmm. and it wasn't uh, that the was karachi agreement between india and pakistan pakistan 1949 un mandated yeah, agreement yeah absolutely so that is what it was so he uh, when he saw that it sort of uh, you know put him on a this thing he said he requested his friend if he could give that map to him for rupees 500 he was a civilian uh, that, civilian. that Mr. mountaineer Mr. was I a civilian was, uh, mr walker some german okay. friend of his a mountaineer 
who had done with him previous expeditions and are also done river rafting uh, with Colonel Bulkuma, and therefore he again. And Colonel Bulkuma was still in the Indian Army. Uh, very much. He was the commandant. Commandant. He was the commandant as a colonel of the high altitude warfare school, then located at Gulmarg and Sonamarg, and that is where uh, we were interacting. And he said, then when he saw this map, he took the map and he got in touch with the army headquarter uh, since Colonel Bulkuma is a. From the Kumau Regiment, the chief of the army staff then was also from the Kumau Regiment, General Raina, and uh, then he got in touch. Who became chief of army staff later? General Raina was the chief of army. Oh, staff. he was already he there. He was already okay. the chief of army staff. So he got in touch with him, and he was put through to General Chibba, who was then the director of military operations as major general. And so he asked him, and Bull was very well known in the army uh, for his exploits as a excellent mountaineer. Climbed Mount Everest, Kanchenjunga, Nanda Devi. So he was a very excellent mountaineer. So he went and obviously, Jal uh, Chibber asked him what brought him here. He said, "Well, I have a map, and wherein the line shown is straight from point NJ nine eight four two, joining the Karakaram Pass, uh, and thereby." So this is which year, sir? This is uh, I'm talking nineteen seventy eight. Nineteen seventy eight. So he was obviously he said, "Is it so?" And when he Looked into it. He said yes. He said now, what is it that you want us to do now? He said uh, before this cartographic aggression by the Pakistani start, and Jal Chibber was quite uh, forthright. He said, look, uh, the Chinese have occupied Aksai Chin because we were not at Aksai Chin then. We must not uh, sort of give away the Aichin Glacier by not being there. And since it's our area, we must occupy it. How do you plan to do it? So, uh, b- before we go on to the whole expedition of how you occupied it, you use this term cartographic aggression. If you could just explain to our listeners what that means. You know, cartographic aggression means on the map you start showing certain areas which have international recognition that it is yours. So slowly and steadily, people start believing that this area belongs to the country that it is. And therefore, uh, like uh, you find, uh, like I said, the cartographic aggression, Siachen uh, Glacier is in the Karakoram Ranges. The NJ nine eight four two that is there, the last demarcated, delineated map on the ground and demarcated. It wasn't beyond that. No demarcation could be done because it's glaciated, extremely difficult to go there. And therefore, it was said, point NJ nine eight four two, thence north along the glacier. So along that, the ridge, along the glacier, and obviously, uh, if you joined it to the Karakoram Pass, the Chinese are supposedly accept the Karakoram Pass as a one of the points on the their so-called LAC, but accept it as a point between India and China as a boundary, and that's a subsequent thing hmm. because they want it, the Karakoram ranges. We look at the Kunlun range, and in between the Kunlun range and the Karakoram range as the Aksai Chin. So we lost the Aksai Chin for a period of years because we did not have people over there patrolling and doing things of that kind in a manner that we should have could have shown our occupation then in fifties. So, having uh, said this, Jal Chibber said, "Let's occupy." So, what would he do? So he said, "We will go for a patrolling of this area." So Colonel Kumar decides to patrol with these uh, officers from the High Altitude Warfare School who are part of the advanced corps, and while he is doing that. He is uh, buzzed by the, uh, you know, flown. Uh, the Pakis flew their cyber jets over them to say that over the Indian you know, over army the team. people who were then uh, mountaineering this particular in 1978, 78, and even subsequently, when okay, he did it. So obviously, uh, Pakis saw that uh, 
the Indians are showing interest in this area, which they believed, as I said, cartographic aggression. They believed that this area belonged to them. And so, the saber jets flying over uh, uh, the Indian uh, team was it some kind of an aggressive yeah, stance? Uh, well, or a messaging, a message. messaging to the Indian that this area belongs to us, and you are not supposed to be there because Pakistanis were sponsoring expeditions through the uh, Saltoro Ridge Line. Because between the Saltoro Ridge Line and the Karakara Mountains is the Siachen Glacier, which is about seventy-six kilometers long, about between two to eight kilometers wide, about three hundred meters deep, and this glacier is, uh, you know, who could the world calls it the third polar region, extremely cold. Temperatures go as low as minus fifty degrees centigrade. Your wind speeds of going as high as hundred kilometers per hour, and you have. Uh, Snowing almost about fifteen to eighteen meters of snow in a year. So this kind of uh, inhospitable, completely, absolutely, totally inhospitable. And most of us, uh, except for these mountaineers, and nobody would uh, want to venture it out. So this is what uh, Kal N Kumar did in seventy uh, eight. He did it again subsequently to show this thing. And the Pakistanis sponsoring expedition, foreign expeditions, primarily from Japan and uh, UK, Austria, all of these people who were being uh, sponsored to that particular uh, area. So there were two passes on the Saltoro Ridge Line. One was called the Bella Fondla. La means a pass. And the other one was Siala. And so these two passes is where these uh, foreign expeditions would venture through Siachen Glacier onto what would be termed the mountainous paradise. Lovely peaks. Sia Kangri. Kangri means a peak. Uh, Saltoro Kangri, Terem Kangri, all these lovely peaks uh, that were there. So obviously the uh, Pakistanis sponsoring expeditions uh, virtually came to a grinding halt because none of these expeditions could come if the Indians are on the Siachen Glacier. So on the Siachen Glacier, you hear most of the time Pakis talk of Siachen. They're nowhere near Siachen because Siachen is hemmed between Saltoro onto the west and Karakoram onto the east. Very distinctly, you can make out because Karakoram are black in color. Range is absolutely black in color. And you have Saltoro, which is light brown in color. And between these two ranges is this uh, Siachen Glacier. And uh, if you read uh, Musharraf in the Line of Fire, he says it very clearly that the, the Indians preempted them. Now, at that point of time in 1983-84, uh, Musharraf was a colonel who was part of the MO, their military operations branch. And he was a view to what is going on. And there, then uh, 10 Corps Commander, uh, Lieutenant General Jahan Peet Khan, he was the uh, Corps Commander. And they had the Northern Area Commander, who was a Major General. Uh, he was again, I think, Peer Dahat Khan. And they had the SSG, who was a Brigadier Mahmood, who was in charge. And uh, Jal Akhtar was the ISI uh, Chief of theirs. And Jal Zia was the chief of the army staff and the president of Pakistan. So this kind of a thing. And obviously when they saw that in 1983, uh, when I had the chance of being part of uh, Polar Bear 1 and uh, subsequently Polar Bear 2 as part of the mountaineering, we used to call it the long-range patrolling, LRP. Hmm. And that LRP involved staying over the glacier for a period of about 80 to 90 days. And uh, it would invariably be conducted from the month of June, July, more convenient months to be on the glacier, and terminated by September, October. So, Polar Bay 1 and Polar Bay 2 were in 1982? 83. 83. In 83. And then 84, that 84 is precursor is to Meghdoot. Meghdoot. Okay. And in 82, we had launched Ibex Hunt. 
So Ibex Hunt was a long-range patrol which was launched in '82, uh, and '83 was Polar Bear One and Two, and Op Megdu in 1984 on the 13th so of polar April. bear one and polar bear two was your first impression of uh, the siachen glacier yes and so walking the, this uh, bear one and two uh, both uh, there was some uh, difference of gap. time or th- now that's a very interesting question because there is a gap between polar bear one and polar bear two and why polar bear two had to be launched because uh, when we launched uh, ibex hunt in 1982 that was the time for the first time i got an aerial reconnaissance of the Siachen Glacier because we had just about gone there in an area called Turtuk. And Turtuk is part of Baltistan. And uh, that's in our uh, occupation, which we had... Part of Pakistan-occupied Kashmir? No. Supposedly, Supposedly. what we call Gilgit-Baltistan. 71 it was, it came to India. We occupied it in 1971, Turtuk. And that is where my battalion was. And since we were there and uh, this... Of long-range patrolling was going on. I got a chance to fly with the helicopters to be seeing what Siachen Glacier is all about. And as luck would have it, 83, I was told that I have to lead the long-range patrol onto the glacier. That's because the officer was leading in uh, 1982, uh, sprained his leg. So he couldn't go in 83. So as I was the patrol twice, they said, now you have to lead <laughs> So how... We all took on uh, this particular mission was in '83. Like what you asked the question about uh, why Polar Bear One and why Polar Bear Two. While we were in Polar Bear One, and we uh, were venturing and uh, we were on the Siachen Glacier, you know, to be able to get to Bella Fondla, there were three camps which have to be set up: Camp One, Camp Two, and Camp Three. And even when uh, Kal N. Kumar went, went to uh, on the Siachen Glacier, the porters, you'll be surprised, were paid the same sum of money per day as they would be paid climbing Mount Everest. So the mm. porter who was there in Nepal assisting mountaineers to climb Mount Everest were being paid then. From the, the same amount would be paid to the porters who were with us who were on the Siachen Glacier. So that because who would venture? Because every porter carried just about 15 kgs. Logistically, we were only supported by the porters and, of course, by the helicopters uh, over there. So, in 1983, as part of uh, Polar Bear 1, when uh, we went up to uh, Bella Fondler, I saw some uh, wrappers on the glacier. I said, it's a surprise. Who, who, who could have come along this particular route? And then there were wrappers with markings, which I didn't know then. That they were whether the Japanese or the Chinese. Mm-hmm. Because the script, the characters look the same. The characters yeah. are quite similar. Now, of course, I understand the script between difference between the Japanese script and the Chinese script. They were Chinese rappers or Japanese? Yeah, Japanese. I'll tell. Yeah. So later on, I was told there were the Japanese rappers and some Japanese mountaineers that wanted to come that way. So when I saw those rappers, obviously on the radio set, I informed that some rappers have been found on top of Bella Fondla. And uh, guess who came to see and uh, interact with me? None other than. The later, uh, General Bipin Rawat, who became the CDS, his father, who was then General Rawat, he came, who was the chief of staff uh, over there, and he asked me, I told him, I found He was was Northern Command. He was in, uh, I think, part of 15 Corps. 15 Corps, okay. And uh, he came there, and he asked me, and he took those rappers along with him in 1983. Having taken the rappers and the Chinese, uh, the Pakis got to know, that we are on top of Siachen Glacier. So we deinducted in the month of somewhere a little uh, mid-August, we deinducted. 
the pakistanis so, so wait let me interrupt you because this is not something that many people will understand what is deinduction yeah now what happens is since i told you to the long range petroling with a specific duration that we have to stay so we go and induct ourselves onto the glacier so since we have inducted on the glacier now is the time to deinduct because the it will now get very very cold extremely cold because the time that we are there june july august are months that are reasonably uh, comfortable that we can stay on top of the glacier so uh, now that we are deinducted so both india and pakistan used to deinduct in the winter months so pakistan would never induct okay they would never be never, there they, they never had the pakistani officers invariably accompanied the foreign expeditions as a liaison officer to those expeditions okay. and they would deinduct with the party which we had never seen if it had happened it would have happened in 78 79 and that period but so not what did induction mean at that stage you put tents or yeah, you would yeah. dig in induction meant staying on the glacier for the duration that we are supposed to be maybe 60 days 75 days 90 okay. days whatever be the duration so you properly pitch tents over there and you stay on the glacier so you are inducted in and deinducted from the glacier so for pakistan direction. viewers pakistan was not inducting before the siachen conflict let's be clear on that general kulkarni is now, putting it on record now now what you just said mm. is a very important thing when we deinducted from the glacier the pakistanis inducted okay now they realize that since the indians have left the glacier they deinducted to see that if they could occupy the glacier in 1983 mm. now this was revealed even by Musharraf in his book in the line of fire i've read that twice over yeah. because i can't believe that somebody could write self praise so much yeah, well uh, i <laughs> must uh, tell you but siachen really bothered him two, two generals of the pakistan army general jaul haq whom their own officers have written lacked officer like qualities yeah. and he became the chief of the army staff and the president and a martial law dictator and they've themselves written on musharraf highly indisciplined wouldn't take orders so yeah. easily and that he's written Musharraf. that he's written that in his own book yeah. that that's pride. what kon kehta hai apne bare mein aise but he read yeah. he read like that and right. he, so he was part of yeah. the ssg also yes now commando yeah, yeah uh, as a commando now what had happened was they they uh, inducted and when they inducted they couldn't sustain themselves hmm. on the glacier and when they couldn't sustain themselves on the glacier they inducted in the month of october and uh, they couldn't and that was the ssg and brigadier mahmood was supposedly there uh, you know a tough man on uh, mm. ssg commando uh, brigadier who subsequently was replaced by uh, musharraf so mahmood decided that uh, his team is not Good. able to mm. sustain itself and it, they deinduct and uh, general and how long could they stay there sir uh, they hardly could stay there they came and they less than a month Le- not even two days probably okay. they found themselves uh. extremely difficult to sustain themselves but they left a note for us and oh. that note that they left to say that look you have inducted in on the glacier which is ours and uh, they then for the first time admitted to say that n point nj9842 line joins the karakoram pass and not as what the karachi agreement said thens north along the glacier so that was the first admission by the pakistanis that this line now this is very this cartographic yeah, uh, aggression now this is very important hmm. who joined this line hmm. nj9842 to karakoram pass hmm. now this also is a history because it's to call the hotsons line the hmm. americans did it as americans as part of uh, you know for aviators 
to fly, they must know whether they're stepping to which country and you know where are they like. So they, Hudson's, were, the Americans were being told time and again in 60s that look, the whole of Jammu and Kashmir is part of India and you cannot have this kind of line drawn, uh, uh, Pakistan occupied Kashmir, Jammu and Kashmir and all that kind of thing. The whole of it is ours. And, uh, so, and therefore, this cartographic the straight line being drawn or drawn by a person called Hudson as part of the American survey team. And that advantage Pakistanis took because they were part of CENTO, CETO organization. They were uh, with Pakistan, uh, with right. the Americans. And the Americans at that point of time uh, want, had were perturbed with the Soviet Union having come into Afghanistan. The Pakistanis were training the Mujahideens to throw the Soviets out of Afghanistan. So a whole lot of this Geopolitics thing, playing into it. Yeah. playing. And at the same time, when this was going on, Zia told his ISI chief at that point of time that, look, keep the Indians occupied in Punjab. And they only can we be able to occupy Siachen Glacier. Otherwise, once you know there's a confrontation, then we may not be able to handle it. Yeah, 1983 was at the peak Punjab the, peak yeah, problem. Yeah, Punjab was on, yes. and uh, the Khalistani problem. The Khalistani yes. problem was there. The Soviets were in uh, Afghanistan. The Americans were wanting a foothold. They were using Pakistan, the Mujahideen, the Taliban, and all these kind of things that were cropping up at that point of time. So you found that. Uh, at this point of time, when the note was left by the uh, Pakistani, obviously, uh, they, it was clear that Pakistanis are now trying to show some interest uh, in Siachen Glacier. And General Chibber was forthright to say that we have to occupy. Nothing, uh, we can't leave it. Uh, default, fate company We must occupy Siachen Glacier. Now, that area is approximately about 5,000 odd square kilometers and uh, in the, in the originates from Indra Coal. Goes along here, yeah, the Nubra River and the Shok River, which then meets at Kalsar, and then this river goes and meets the uh, Indus and uh, Skardu. Now, having said that, and they realized it, and they, when they attempted to come in 1983 as part of, uh, we re inducted. Mm. That reinduction is what I call Polar Bear 2. two. Okay. So we went there, and by then the Pakis had deinducted. We reinducted. We again deinducted, and that was virtually the end, coming of 1983. Now the int reports started coming in hmm. that uh, Pakistanis had picked up almost a thousand mountaineering equipment from Europe. So the entire Europe was denuded of. With the mountaineering equipment. Now, this mountaineering equipment is the same as that what the mountaineers used for climbing Mount Everest. So, you get intelligence from RAW, uh, yeah. probably or military intelligence, yeah. that Europe may Sara military. Uh, this thing has been picked up. Okay. I think it was, if I'm not wrong, it was Vikram Sood, who was then as part of RAW, located in Srinagar, who may have interacted with General Hoon, who was then the co commander, to say that, well, the equipment, so. Two to two four, you had something on going on in Siachen. Mr. Vikram Sood, chief of RAW, yeah, you, who was probably station officer in uh, Srinagar. Those days in Srinagar. Okay. So he must have interacted with General Hoon. May have told and him General that Hoon at that time was? Was a co-commander. Was the co-commander. Commander. Okay. And all of this area used to come under him. Hmm. Now you have 14 core. 14 core. In, this is post Kargil. But those days it is to be one, that is 15 core, under whose jurisdiction the entire area came in. So hmm. when this was uh, going on. So, Jal Hoon uh, thought, when he also went, 
because if we were to launch because the preparation had already started so this general shibar and general hoon say that we've got to do this now in this kind of an operation do you need um, an okay from the political leadership to would the raksha mantri have been informed or is it need to know basis and they are not informed see at this point of time firstly i'm just a captain at that point right that's very important because i would not be preview to all what yeah. is going on at that point i'm only preview because i'm part as a mountaineer being part of it associated and training people you know taking them up yes. ensuring that they survive under such harsh conditions but yes uh, delhi was taken on board and that is where uh, when uh, you see uh, delhi gave a green signal that was mrs gandhi at that point of time that yes it could be done raksha mantri was uh, mr venkatraman at Venkert that time Raman. now since uh, mrs gandhi was on board general hoon had very good association with mrs gandhi primarily okay. because of sikkim okay when sikkim uh, became part of india general hoon was then the advisor over there in uh, to the uh, king of uh, sikkim, sikkim. and uh, that is how mrs gandhi and general hoon were close now when the ok came at this point of time pakistan was wanting to launch operations according to them and what musharraf says uh, the core commander uh, wanted it the 1st of may because they failed to sustain themselves in 1983 on top of the glacier so he said let's do it in on the 1st of may much that Musharraf says that he was as part of the military operations branch, uh, and they had suggested that it should have been March. They wanted it March, mm. but unable to sustain the core commander, then General Jahanda Pir Khan said, "Well, uh, it is better that we launch on the first of May." And first uh, of May being decided in January, uh, they had picked up this entire equipment from Europe. So by Jan of '84, the equipment. the mountaineer equipment has been picked up from europe about a thousand sets by pakistan obviously that alerted uh, the indian intelligence to why so much of equipment had been picked up by pakistan from there and that obviously then put us on this thing we didn't know what's going on in pakistan because it's only the book which uh, which musharraf mm-hmm. has written reveals Much all later. of it yes. because he was uh, he himself said that i was in emo and i was aware of what is going on at this point of time and then when ziaul haq was being briefed so he said okay uh, operation ababil to be launched on the 1st of may on the recommendations of the their core commander to say that it is very difficult so 1st may is what we will launch so much before uh, operation meghdoot was put into play there was operation uh, ababil by pakistan, pakistan to, to occupy siachen glacier to be launched on 1st of may first 1984 so that is the pakistan part now for us we were told that we would launch on the 13th of april 1984 because uh, then uh, brigadier channa who was the sector commander uh, he said 13th is baisakhi mm-hmm. and it's a very good day of course you know eyebrows got everybody said uh, sir 13th is supposed to be unlucky <laughs> oh number 13 <laughs> why why do you want to launch it on the 13th he said it's baisakhi and it's one of the most holiest days and pakistan also celebrates baisakhi we also celebrate baisakhi and they couldn't have been a better new year for us to launch our operation yeah because baisakhi is celebrated across both, both sides because on pakistan yeah. side also and on the indian because side because it's a harvest, harvest festival yeah, absolutely. so absolutely so, so they don't celebrate it as a religious yeah, connotation but they celebrate as for harvest, harvest. and we celebrate as a new year Correct. things so baisakhi was chosen as uh, this thing now for that uh, jalhun 
had gone shopping and he realized that all the equipment had been picked up and then uh, i was ticked off uh, in one of the presentations by general hoon when uh, general chibber asked me that uh, can you launch operations because you've been there in june july of 83 can you do so if we were to prepone it so i didn't know the date or anything like that so as a youngster and being asked by the army Lord commander obviously i couldn't have said no <laughs> that was first and secondly i said since i'd gone there and i'd stayed there for so long i said by all means sir he said uh, remember the equipment is what you all wore in 1983 he said yes sir i told him positively same equipment we would be able to do so siachen even during summers it's it's a very minus cool. very cool. it's even it's very cold it's minus did you and even today we see this lack of extreme winter clothing so what did you manage with in those days for your polar bear ibex and all Up, these totally indian equipment okay. totally the same coat parka the same trouser with two inners inside and uh, the shoes that you yeah, absolutely it was perfectly you know, i thought if i lived with all that clothing on top of the glacier you could do april also in 84 also isme badi baat kya hai i didn't know then uh, obviously june Hoon, july and april mein bahut farak hai june took me aside and gave me a bollocking he said uh, youngster you don't know what you what you just told the army commander it's not possible now in hindsight i feel he was right hmm. because when we were launched uh, in april and i must tell you the equipment of course didn't turn up till the 12th of april now <laughs> now that was a big thing jalhoon had gone to buy the equipment and this, and equipment, this is also coming from europe sir yeah all of it was to come and it was down down is an equipment which is of feather and the down feathers are from birds which are there in europe and probably lakhs of birds make one coat because the feathers are so warm and that what keeps you warm and the uh, because of the down feather the uh, jackets and the uh, trousers are so light that you don't even feel the weight of it so wo uh, they had not reached and uh, now the 12th april ho gaya savere kuch bhi nahi 13th april to we were to launch and uh, i was told that you do a recce of siachen glacier and see for yourself what you had seen in 83 is there any change or you know do you see any marks of people walked over or something like that on the glacier so i was taken uh, i was flown around the glacier i saw all of it absolutely chopper flight by chopper so absolutely no uh, footprints nothing whatsoever on the glacier it looked as uh, pristine uh, and pretty beautiful class as if nobody had touched it and everything flew over bella fonla flew over siala and all of it and got back so we were ready in clear weather absolutely perfect and i was also happy ki up 13th april ko uh, we launch and uh, everything would happen 12th april at around 5 o'clock in the evening in me uh, 8 those days now we call it me 17 those days the uh, helicopter a different version of me it they brought this equipment are sham ko ye because generally in that area nobody flies where uh, are you right now we base are at camp. the base camp base camp of okay. the siachen glacier Siachin. from where we are supposed to launch okay. on the glacier they call the snout of the glacier you know that's us these the, are your intents we are all intent. it's still Absolute. freezing cold well, there everything everything is in tentage only hmm. with my uh, team my company commander was major sandhu uh, vrc of 1971 war 
and we were another two youngsters who were to uh, sort of establish camp one, two, three, and also be a reserve patrol-based platoon to us with Captain Paramvir Yadav as one platoon commander, uh, Lieutenant Gusai as another platoon commander, and the third was myself under a, a, a company commander, R.S. Sandhu, tasked for Bella Fondler. And Major Bahugana, uh, who unfortunately passed away some time back, and uh, he was the other uh, company commander for Siala. And so Siala, he was the um, company commander to occupy Siala, and we were to occupy uh, Bila Fondla. So, so this Bila Fondla, Siala, and wasn't there a uh, third one? There's another one called Gyongla. Ah, so correct, that's what I'll I was wondering. You, uh, that was later, okay. Gyongla yeah. story later. So this is how, so Bela Fondler, Reiki was, I was happy and then I was brought back and to be ready to launch on the 13th. So 12th, in the evening at 5 o'clock, I find this uh, equipment has landed. Now this equipment was in cartons, so many cartons. Now, some jackets, some trousers, some shoes, socks, you know, uh, king that is the fire uh, heater. So many things, it goggles. You know, uh, the um, uh, the balaclavas, so many. Now, Sham ko paanj baje, if the equipment has arrived, and next day morning at 5.30 you have to launch. I said, Shalo, andhera up now with lalteins and whatever that we had, or maybe a generator, one bulb laga karke, first to be able to, you know, sort uh, it out, segregate all yeah, of it. Yeah. And then people like me, we were suddenly have an extra large jacket, it will be almost, you know, I'll be <laughs> wearing three fourths of mine will be in one jacket. So, based on uh, this thing, and the Kumaunis are also not very tall. Uh-huh. So, uh, since I'm from the Kumar Regiment, the boys were same and uh, some are here. Ladakh scouts wale nahi the. Ladakh scout with her. Ladakh scout also had to be given the same equipment. Yeah. So, that, so, the equipment that came and segregated, we always, the jackets and trousers was not a much of a problem. The inners was not a problem. The socks was not. The shoes was a big problem because the shoes looked almost identical whether it is left foot or the right foot <laughs> because they're special mountaineering shoes. Oh. oh, they all look alike. So, anyway, we found ourselves wear, wearing those and, you know, ready and we found this thing next day morning early morning we got up at 4 o'clock and all set and then we found where about 5 o'clock or 5.30 caliper, uh, all about 7-8 helicopters you know coming to the base camp uh, being flown by the Air Force pilots and they all came to the base camp to take us onto the glacier so we wore that equipment and uh, ready with me was my operator Mandal or radio operator so every helicopter could only take two people and because pilot, co-pilot, and two of us in and a the radio helicopter, uh-huh. like that. So, and we were told radio silence. Nobody will open the radio sets, mm. lest Pakistanis get to know that there is some activity taking place. So, the total radio silence. We were self-contained for five days. Five days ke liye khana, peena, sab kuch, you have to be self-contained for five days. After five days, by the time we would have established ourselves on the glacier, then of course, later company, the, we would have We've been in full occupation of the Siachen Glacier. Occupation is whatever, what they say, 99%? Nine, yeah, possession of, of uh, this thing is occupied. Once yeah. you've occupied, 90% possession is yours and everything yeah. is yours. So, keeping that in mind, and uh, we launched ourselves and uh, Mandal with me. And there were two more boys in the other helicopter. Uh, Ramesh, uh, remember very well, and Prakash. Now, both these boys were with me in 1983 also. Hmm. So I knew, uh, you know, we had that understanding with each other. So uh, Ramesh and Prakash in the other helicopter and I was in the lead helicopter and that helicopter was keeping a watch on us and we were to land. And as soon as we were to land, 
the pilot had already taken me on a recce before so perfectly fine i thought i'll land and i was sitting comfortably suddenly on that uh, internal uh, radio set he told me uh, sanjay uh, we can't land here i said kya ho gaya he said no no you have to jump i said jump jump i will yeah. no problems at all usko thoda sa niche hover karo and i'll jump from the helicopter but i'm not too sure uh, how's the snow condition why couldn't he land because not sure about they, the they were not, not sure, too sure it was hard surface or it was helicopter uh, if it has to land the uh, there are lots of crevices crevices are deep no huge thing and this loose snow makes it look plain okay. it's only when you land you mm. suddenly realize that you have landed on top of a crevice and the whole helicopter will sink mm. totally it will go be uh, go inside the crevice so the pilot he was aware of it because he had flown he said yeah i'm sorry i can't uh, land i said i wish you had told me <laughs> when we can't come for a cure he we can't land he said nay now i feel that uh, we can't land and we are about 3 kilometers short of belafonda i suggest you jump i said okay i'll jump but i said look i have got one small ateka bori uh, uh, with me i'll first throw that from this thing to see whether the surface is hard if the surface is hard if that doesn't sink then even when i jump i will also won't sink you're not talking about para jumping now you're no, just talking no, about no. jumping you have to straight jump you okay. have to open the <laughs> this jump from uh, 10 15 10 15 yeah they come down the okay. uh, the hover low yeah. but uh, you know you have to Jump. you could also fall in the crevice yeah. if it is soft so frozen for avoid forever. that uh, i told him i said ye aate ki bori hai let's first throw this to that uh, you know that's your ration which you're carrying with you door. yeah and once you open it we'll uh, throw it down and we'll see kitna sink karta hai wo if it doesn't sink it stays on the surface that means it's quite hard and you hover out i'll jump he said perfectly fine to take up but i saw it was on top it hadn't sunk perfectly fine i said ready ready i said chalo jump jump and uh, when i jumped obviously the uh, my radio operator mandal he couldn't jump because he had the radio set that mm. was on his lap so i uh, wo radio set leke to he couldn't jump so i jumped and i saw the whole thing i walked around a bit that helicopter after i jumped it took off and i saw that is okay i gave a thumbs up i said no problems you, you can, can land. land okay so the other helicopter was also seeing this helicopter so it landed with mandal and the other two who were with me they also landed and then the subsequent sorties uh, started uh, coming in from the base camp to reach belafonda it would take us about 35 odd minutes for the helicopter to fly in you know the next sortie to come in because the same helicopters have to go back refuel if required take another two passengers come back and land so all this would take about an hour or so so for that duration you are alone on uh, top of the glacier the first few uh, you're not pitching hours. your tents you're not sorting and no. nothing so nothing. far we are just there okay uh, waiting for the entire platoon we were 30 of us the height and the temperature sir the height uh, at that is almost about 18000 plus so you took off uh, from 11500 about 11 yeah, 11000 11, and reached 18500 the height that we were bella found lies at about 18500 Siala is about nineteen or thousand, and similarly is okay. the Indra Kool over there. So and the temperature would be at temperature at that point would be at minus twenty. <laughs> so okay. temperatures are minus twenty. It was a clear day, okay. you know, and it looked very clear. Lovely blue sky and absolutely white all around. It was perfect. I mean, it, I couldn't have asked for a better uh, condition. How many are you right now? And four. 
four of us. That's it. That's it. The first, 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 the first, first lot. Okay. okay. Me and my radio operator and Prakash Ramesh and Ramesh and, 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 huh. and uh, we were there. So having done that and then the subsequent sorties would, would brought happen. the others. So the subsequent sortie and in about I found in about half an hour or so a mandal complained of uh, I'm having headache. Now this headache. Yeah. Uh, is very common in high altitude. We call it the, uh, you know, it could well be a part of HAPO, high altitude pulmonary edema, where huh. suddenly you, you know, you get disoriented, you don't feel comfortable. So it's a complaint of headache. And I said, now you better sit down, do nothing whatsoever. And uh, we'll mark the helipad. And the helipad will be marked because we have seen the, all other helicopters, you know exactly where to come. So that he, he was not able to talk. I said, don't worry. The next chopper that comes, we'll take you back. Now, he's the only single radio operator with me and who had to be evacuated. Even though he had trained so hard. At Hawes? Uh, uh, all at, even down? Even okay. down below where huh. we were. And he was there during Polar of Bear course, also? he was part, uh, oh. he was not part of Polar, Polar Bear, Bear 1 or no. 2, but he was part of the subsequent training hmm. and the training was very tough. Uh, since we were all part of it, we trained them very, very hard okay, but to still. be able to sustain and, uh, you know, training at Khardungla. Khardungla itself, to get across uh, this area from Leh, if you go, Khardungla is 18,380 feet. That's the oh. pass you have to cross by driving to be able to get on to Partapo. So, all this training at high altitude, they, some kush, matlab, there was nothing that was left to chance. Every, we were all but Mandal Sahib is not put, well right Mandal now. Mandal thing uh, falls sick at the last minute. So, so, I told Mandal now, up job and you leave the radio set with us and you deinduct. So we deinducts in the chopper that comes next. Now subsequent uh, people start gathering. Uh, Major Sandhu who was the company commander. He brought the entire team and we all settled down. So we were 30. Now left 29 because one deinducted within the, an hour of our landing over there. By about 11:30, the weather turned absolutely bad, unbelievable. What I saw the day previous to what I when I saw while I landed to what I was now seeing, sudden change. It turned blizzardous. You know, wind speeds of over 100 kilometers. Nothing visible. We couldn't see anybody. I said, oh God, what's all this? Aren't you happy you have this <laughs> uh, equipment that you're yeah, wearing? Th those what th General Hood had said. Thank God. As I yeah. said, uh, hindsight, I would, uh, would say that you're absolutely right. Yeah. Terrible. Absolutely pathetic. Now the same choppers were to go back and take and troops land at Siala. That means Major Bahugana's team was to land at Siala on the same day, the 13th of April 1984. Now this kind of weather condition, obviously no chopper and nobody would come. Even we couldn't see each other. At not even two meters I could see anybody. It was that bad. Oh God, I said, Ye kya ho gaya Now some who had, were part of with me in 1983 were familiar to this kind of a weather. So we could sort of understand ki kya hoega. But the rest of them who were seeing it for the first time, young boys, all of us were 21, 22, 23 year old youngsters mm -hmm. on top of the glacier. You were probably Karl Sandhu was the oldest as a company commander. He must have been about 35 or something like that. Now we were all young, 24, 25 and 21, 22 year old youngsters, sepoys with me. So I said, yeah. I told them, I said, now pitch up tents. These imported tents had come. Uh, Arctic tent, pup tents, in which about two to three people could stay. In. I said, first, let's get into it and then we'll see what is to be done. Let's hold ourselves on the ground. 13th of April, extremely bad weather. 14th of April, extremely bad weather. 
फिफ्टींथ ऑफ अप्रैल बहुत टेरेबल वेदर आई सेट ये देखो ये क्या हो गया थर्टीन बैट फोर्टीन बैट फिफ्टींथ बैट नो फिफ्टीन and uh, and all this while you people were we sitting in the tents. tents we are in those two pub tents only clearing the snow because hum dab na jaye you know the snow is also it's not so heavily about 8 or 8 feet of snow in one night only so we should not, so from inside the boys are just you know hitting that uh, uh, cover so that the snow doesn't rest on it and it sort of drifts off and one boy will come out clear the snow and again enter. and food and water sir we were self contained shakarparas Shakarpara is the standard uh, food with which we had at that point of time. We had chocolates. We had uh, shakarparas. That also must be turning into ice. Oh, extremely difficult to eat. Extremely difficult to eat. But we had those uh, fire kings, you know. Those fire kings were from Switzerland. Small little uh, uh, this thing which would keep that tent warm. A uh, two-man Arctic tent would just have this uh, area that you have for this table. So, in this kind of two people, Guske Rana, Jadik Jadik, maximum three people. can sustain themselves in this tree just lie down nothing else you can do so you have your rucksack you are there and nobody else is there so that's all and then you're eating those shakarparas and you're eating the chocolates that are there with you because there's no way you can cook because in this kind of weather oh, what will you cook and how will you cook it's extremely difficult that little fire king was enough to make it warm so every time you would attempt to go out to uh, belafondla people like me would sink up to waist deep snow Well, not able to walk even hundred yards and two hundred yards, we would be back. Now fifteenth, around fifteenth, when uh, uh, we are attempting to go, I uh, heard, "Come back, come back!" Shouting, "Come back!" I said, "What happened?" Got back. We found that Ramesh was no more. Oh. Ramesh died the, in the night uh, because of hapo and froth in his mouth. And poor uh, thing, you know, I felt very bad. Because he was a very good buddy of mine and had been with me in '83. I said, "Hey, hey, what's going on?" So now the question arose. We got back halfway. We were to Bela Fonda. We got back, and now Major Sandhu said, "Now what do we do here?" I said, "Sir, we have no option. Today is only the third day. Though we were told to have radio silence for five days, and we are self-contained for five days. In one tent, we are three of us." Only the two officers are there in one tent. Otherwise, the men are almost three in uh, one tent. And I said, now we can't leave him inside the tent and the two boys to sleep with him. It may, you know, thora sa inconvenient ho jaye. At the same time, we can't leave him outside just because he's no more. You can't leave him outside also. That's the respect uh, for yeah, a fallen because, soldier. Yeah, but it's snowing. I said, it's snowing so heavily. We'll not be able to find out only usko kaha rakha hai because you will not know where it is. So extremely difficult to find out. अच्छा सर लेट्स ओपन द रेडियो सेट एंड लेट्स इनफॉर्म खबर कर देते हैं कि हादसा हो गया एंड वन बॉयज नो मो सो श्योर इनफ यू नो बिकॉज ऑफ दिस बैड वेदर रेडियो साइलेंस देर वॉज इनफ काइंड ऑफ यू नो हलचल हैपनिंग एट द सेक्टर हेड क्वार्टर्स एट द आर्मी हेड क्वार्टर्स दैट दिस टीम ऑफ थर्टी सीम्स टू बी मिसिंग दे आर नॉट टोल्ड यू फाइव डेज फाइव डेज बट बिगड़े चन्ना डिट टेल अस दैट लुक बॉय डोंट ओपन द रेडियो सेट फॉर फाइव डेज बिकॉज and sure enough thank god these instructions were there because had those instructions not been there the pakistanis would have also because yeah. they had planned for first of may so obviously anybody is wanting to come on top of the glacier on the first of may on saltoro would already be sitting at skardu and khapalu uh, maybe a fortnight before and 10 days before other they just can't uh, launch and musharraf himself said that uh, it takes indian 7 days to occupy siachen glacier it takes us one day because their road head was absolutely just 
at the base of the Saltoro Ridge Line, okay. and they just had to walk up to occupy the glacier. So that uh, they were, they could have got on to the Saltoro Ridge Line much faster than what it was for us. So he said, radio said, "Khola." I said, "Sir, we have no option of what to do. It is better that we inform. Otherwise, uh, so we informed, and uh, you know, weather clear up and." Uh, uh, very nice of General Hoon. He flew in in the helicopter and uh, he dropped the national flag from uh, the top uh, onto us and a small little, uh, you know, um, uh, little bag that is, uh, with the national flag in it. And uh, he said, uh, yeah, I, we told him by all, you know, um, uh, indicating to him by a signal that uh, this is what it is. And he didn't land, but then he took off. He knew that we could send a chopper to evacuate and uh, take back Ramesh from there. So Ramesh, uh, obviously by then, the body had become extremely stiff. How do you mentally deal you with know, this? At that point of time, you uh, don't have anything. You know, you know that poor thing is no more. And um, But you don't let emotions come into play? We had, uh, of course, uh, that you do feel bad that your body is uh, no more. And said Ramesh could have been the first casualty of Siachin. Yeah, operation. Mandal uh, was the first one who didn't die but uh, was evacuated because of HAPO. And uh, he was the first uh, casualty of uh, real Siachin. death. Uh, of on Operation Megdut. Uh, on Operation Megdut on top. And his name is there in the war memorial this, uh, at India Gate. Uh, when I went there, I did see the name of Lance Naik Ramesh. He was uh, subsequently being, uh, you know, uh, given Kifti Chakra, posthumous. I'll tell you later how and uh, met him there. And uh, when this was, he, he was evacuated. And then we moved towards Bella Fondla. Can you imagine? I'm on top of Bella Fondla, just about to reach Bella Fondla, which is about 18,500 feet. Uh, sir, putting in context, uh, you're talking about, uh, the, we're talking about the first casualty of Siachin. Ramesh was that. And... Uh, now, uh, today when officers go or jawans go, or even as journalists when we go, we know how much acclimatization we have to do or for stage-wise acclimatization, 14 days, 7 days, super high altitude and all those things. Now, when you people went in, there were no scientific studies on effect of uh, high altitude on uh, what it could uh, effects it could have on uh, a, a human body how you should behave, uh, what you should do, or was there some kind yeah, of basic yeah, study? Yeah. See, we have enough inputs. Because uh, if you recollect, 1962, and since 62 also was fought in uh, eastern Ladakh, at Razangla, where uh, Major Shaitan Singh decorated with Parambi Chakra Pastama. So, we all, induction into high altitude is very, very scientific. As you rightly said, acclimatization is a must. So you have your 7 days acclimatization, 10 days acclimatization, 14 days acclimatization, depending upon the heights that you have to go in, all this training that we are supposed to be doing. Because you can't, there is a saying, na, you can't be a gama in the land, land of, lama. of lama. So that's a very There's famous another saying. one which I've heard you say, uh, heart, uh, yeah, pet, uh, roti. You know, that is the, uh, I always call it as uh, the uh, mantra for mountaineering. You know, pet me roti, heart me soti, chal choti. That means you must have a meal in your stomach. You must have something to hold so that you are not swept off by the wind and this kind of a weather condition or don't step into a crevice by mistake because and chal choti because you should not get breathless. Hmm. Because if your breathing is synchronized with your stepping, then it's a great success. But generally, most casualties occur because you don't seem to realize it. You know, you're young and you feel, it doesn't happen. So they say, don't be a gama in the land of lama. 
So it's all these sayings and all have a lot of meaning uh, behind it. So we all undergo what you rightly said. So if we all undergo proper acclimatization, every entire study is there, whole of it. There's no question. Even those it. days, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And you, but what happens? You know, uh, seeing is believing. आपको कितना भी पढ़ाया जाए, आपको कितना भी बताया जाए, it's only when you experience it firsthand, when you see that wind blowing at over hundred kilometers an hour on your face. And when you only find yourself covered with snow all over, and there's nothing but hitting you, your hands aren't moving, and nothing is, you know, bath ne karne ko aara, then you realize all that studies are now coming to you, <laughs> being told, because yeah, you only experience when you are experiencing all of it. You know, you be told ten times over that don't worry, in an avalanche you can, you know, if an avalanche comes, just see, see to yourself, dig down and uh, hold and seal. You know how it is. Don't panic. Don't do the very easier said than done. When you're in the crevice, don't panic. In the crevice, you've gone forty feet down. Panic. You don't know <laughs> what's happening to you, and uh, everybody is trying to motivate you, but you're losing your. Uh, so it's easier said yeah. than done. You know, you're only a man who's experiencing. You find so many of your friends have lost legs. So many of them have lost limbs. You know, hands, frostbite, fingers, yes. frostbite, chilblain, uh, insomnia, losing their health. There's so many things that are happening. So the man who experiences it, he alone knows where the wearer knows where the shoe pinches. Sure. Now it's easier said. So in this kind of what you said, having acclimatized and all of it, we finished with thirteenth. We finished with fourteenth. And with fifteen, so before we reach fifteen, you talked about General Hoon giving you this bag or yeah, putting so the with the national flag. flag. National why, flag. Uh, why? That was national that? flag. I had to hoist it at Belafonte. I'll tell you a very interesting story of this national flag also. So that I, we hoisted, and when we were on fifteenth, you have hoisted on uh, on sixteenth. Sixteenth, you have reached Belafonte. Belafonte, and we have hoisted the national flag. Okay. So when we were hoisting the national flag over there, just about. Uh, reaching Bella Fonda and uh, uh, hoisting the flag, I find a, a helicopter coming from the Pakistani direction. Now that helicopter, well, like we have cheetahs, they have llamas. That aircraft is similar to mm. what we have, a llama. American probably. Yeah, a no. small little chopper mm. with a pilot and a co-pilot and two passengers. It's flying right in front. Now obviously the helicopters have a limit to which you can fly. No, you can fly maximum nineteen thousand, twenty thousand feet. After that it won't fly. So I'm as it is, I'm standing at eighteen thousand five hundred. So high, how will he be going? He can't go to his extreme. So he was right in front, and so I saw the their pilot's eye and my eye. You know, we both are seeing each other. Now he saw that these Indians are already on top of Bella Fonda. So he took a U-turn and went back. So now he must have gone and told uh, the look. We were wanting to preempt India. The Indians have already preempted us. They are already sitting on top of Bella Fonda. So this wasn't a satellite imagery or whatever. There were no nothing, nothing like yeah, that. He himself came Physically and he saw. Now, how did he come? That is also equally. Uh, moment Ramesh passed away, we had to open the radio set. Mm. The moment we opened the radio set, obviously they picked up the radio signals. So when they picked up the radio signal, they knew that ये तो सियाचिन के ऊपर हरकत हो रही है. These Indians are already somewhere here. So he must have been sent to go and see. Reki भी है रे कि भाई देखो कहाँ है. So the only way to induct into सियाचिन from the South Tower Ridge was Bella Fonda. So when he is wanting to cross Bella Fonda, he sees you're already there. Already at top of Bella Fonda, आँख से आँख मिल गई तो वो तो बिचारा U-turn लिया और किस गया वहाँ से. Now, but you're carrying ammo with you when you're there. Yeah, yeah, we are carrying it. Which, which rifle was it, sir? A seven point six two mm SLR. SLR. So that was the. Oh rifle. my God! Yeah. 
So good rifle. Nothing wrong with the rifle. But the fact it is, is heavy. Uh, you know, I'm just thinking start... with all this ordinance to climb yeah. into that. With that weight and weight, everything, that's and what I'm all of it, we have to read yeah. the. He, obviously, the Paki pilot took a U-turn and he left. Now, the next day, the 17th of April, when. Major Bahuguna's platoon, which was to be inducted on top of Siala because of the clear weather now, they inducted and occupied Siala. Mm. So the next day, the same helicopters which had brought us to Bilafondla, but could not take them to Siala on the 13th and the 14th and the 15th and subsequently. So they took now this platoon of Major Bahuguna and landed at Siala and they occupied Siala. So Operation Meghdood actually comes into fruition. By between thirteenth and sixteenth, thirteenth and say seventeenth of April. Of April, everybody now is occupying the passes of Bellafondla and Siala. And at the same time, simultaneously, despite the bad weather, we were establishing the camps along the glacier. Camp one, camp two, camp three, camp four, camp five, camp six. So if you have to walk all these camps, each camp in one day walk. That's so, more than even Mount Everest. Ah, Mount Everest required three: camp mm. one, camp two, and and the peak. Camp 3 is assault, straight assault on the uh, Mount Everest. You have to one, two, three, four, five, six, and then again, if you were to go on the Lolofon Glacier, you have to go on the go on the Siala. There's a long, you know, stretch. You have to walk, establish one base camp, and then walk up to uh, Belafondla. So all this that was happening. Now we had, rightly so, we had preempted hmm. uh, the Pakistanis. The Pakistanis initial, of course. Uh, they had wanted it to occupy in March, but their core commander, as what Musharraf says, suggested to be occupied and on the 1st of May. We occupied the Siachen Glacier on the 13th of April, 1984. So that is how we found that all of this got occupied. Now, talking about what you just referred to, the national flag mm. of uh, General Hoon. So since General Hoon had... Uh, you know, dropped the national flag for us for putting out on the Bella Fondla. We had put that uh, flag over there. Then subsequently, uh, Mrs. Gandhi, as uh, Prime Minister, had to be told that Siachen had been occupied and uh, she wanted to come and see for herself also if we dekho kya, kya hai, what is it like. So as luck would have it, the day she was to fly, it was total whiteout. Which Nothing. was still in April, we still talking about I think she came, no, she came later. She came later in May or something like that, you know. And uh, not even, uh, yeah, something May, June, uh, around that time. And uh, so when she was flying around, no, much later, because 23rd of June, uh, we had repulsed an attack of the Pakistanis uh, on the glacier. And she, uh, same time when what was going on in this thing, simultaneously, Punjab also had the problems yeah, going Yeah, Operation Blue Star in 84. 84. Yes. June. 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 And here, Pakistanis launched an attack on Siachen on the 23rd of June, 1984. And uh, before that, on the 27th of April, the first firing took place on uh, Siachen because we had occupied the passes. The Pakistanis were attempting. And how I realized that... Uh, now it's happened. become a battlefield. Now, uh, not till the 27th and the first uh, day, hmm. Now, I saw a crow, you know, a white crow. I said, I remember having seen a white crow in 1983 also once. And I see another crow, uh, you know. I said, if there's a crow, that means this crow is following somebody. Food. Uh, he's following somebody. He couldn't have seen our food <laughs> because he's coming from the park side. Huh. And, and this crow is following somebody. And sure enough, 
the pakis were right in front of us at a place called ali brangza on the lolofond on the belafond glacier we are on the lolofond glacier terminates at belafondla and the belafond glacier runs along ali brangza on their side and they were sitting there with a lot of troops and everybody all seated and that's where the first firing took place on the 27th of april but you're at a height they are low oh much low they okay. were, they were they must have been at about 16 we must have been at so about so strategically 18. you're in a better position uh, there see mountains whoever is occupying heights mm. is dominating and anybody who occupies heights dominates is extremely difficult to dislodge him he can only be dislodged if he is found sleeping or is complicit otherwise very difficult to dislodge now when this had happened this national flag and when mrs gandhi subsequently was uh, flown in and she had a white out uh, condition she didn't see anything she saw a national flag being flown in because of uh, the saffron color and the green that was visible to her from this she said she couldn't see anybody she said you were saying that there are troops over here i don't see anybody mm. neither do i see anybody living over here and how could anybody be living in such condition but she saw some flag and she said i can spot a flag who's there so you told the, that's our post at belafondla and that is where we are you said excellent and uh, whatever this she must have asked questions to the uh, co commander or the army commander was flying with her and the thing ended then next day But she couldn't land. No, she couldn't. She so only... that is why the first prime minister to land in Siachen was Dr. Manmohan Singh. Nobody no. came to Siachen. Yes. Nobody all could those years, land. Nobody Because could land. Invariably, it would be bad weather. No, but sir, summer me to land kar yeah. sakte. No, even bad in summer, even Mrs. Gandhi's attempt was in June, July, July only. But no? couldn't. So again, bad weather only. So no. <laughs> weather can turn bad. I told you, 13th April in the morning when we land, perfectly clean. blue sky fantastic and within hours everything turned topsy turvy so you can't and when she came it was obviously if the prime minister is being flown in the weather clearance did you know that she yeah. is flying nobody would have nobody, would, nobody would have known it's only when you uh, venture into the glacier that you realize that mausam to bahut hi kharab hai no but, but did you know that the prime minister would no, be flying no, no. no he didn't know not at you all know. Uh, and sir uh, when you talk about 27th first firing taking place by that time what was your matlab uh, how many of us were there on the see we were 13 any case hmm. and then subsequently we were built or all 50 50 we became 50 because others came in you know there were lots of people uh, as ski troopers came in so you're a young man in. at that yeah. stage do you realize the significance or do you just think it's another believe me uh, you know today when i look back uh, i feel people asked uh, you are asking me after 39 years kya kiya kaise kiya kaise laga at that point of time nothing we were enjoying every bit of it we were very lucky we thought that we were trained and that we are living and surviving and every day was fantastic day and uh, eating chocolates if we could and uh, you know it was good time badam kishmish khao chocolate khao kabhi khichdi bana lo and uh, good time you know all youngsters and everybody was but by then every day about 3 4 people would be hit by chill blain uh, frostbite insomnia Uh, unable to uh, severe headache not able to eat not uh, snow blindness can't see so it was terrible every now and then these people uh, do, despite being trained they would become casualties because uh, most of the casualties on the glacier are because of weather not more so because of firing so this was uh, the 27th and mrs gandhi ka mai bata kar ke i'll tell you then the battle 
जब इन मिसेस गांधी सो ऑल दिस कल पुष्कचंद वाज द ओवरऑल टास्क फोर्स कमांडर माय फोर्स वाज कॉल्ड द जोरावर फोर्स सो वी वर ऑन थिंग एंड द पाकिस्तानी दे यूज्ड टू कॉल देम सेल्फ द बुरजिल फोर्स बुरजिल सो नॉट बुरजिल बुरजिल एंड द बुरजिल पास एंड के ऊपर दे कॉल्ड देम सेल्फ बुरजिल फोर्स वी वर कॉल्ड द जोरावर फोर्स एट टॉप ऑफ बेलाफोंडला एंड यू सो आई गॉट अ कॉल फ्रॉम कल पुष्कचंद ही आल्सो पोटिंग इज नो मोर पास्टर एज अ ब्रिगेडियर Uh, he was also mount everest climber and you know excellent climbers so he told me sanjay uh, come down no you are a very nice person he told me sanjay come down i said sir uh, how am i supposed to come down he says obviously pedal chalega to aur kaise aayega mai ke sir have i to go back again so he said that i don't know you to niche aa ja mai ke sir dekho it takes camp I have to first come to patrol base, then camp three, camp two, camp one. Then I come to the base camp. These four five days of walking I have to do. And moment I reach base camp, you'll again see Sanjay upper charger. So again I have to walk back. Uh, no, I said, uh, don't joke with me like this, you know. So, and the conversation ended. He thought probably since he was a colonel, I was only a captain, and over there, you know, a little informal. So next day again, he said, have you started walking back? I said, no. I'm still there. He said, "Do jaldi aa niche." I told him, "You better come down fast." I said, "Sir, how am I to come down? You, unless until you give me a helicopter lift, I don't mind coming down, and you can again deduct me." Uh, so I said, "No, no, you come down. Uh, you have to go to Europe." I told him, "I said, sir, may I mila apko tang kaise ke liye sabere sabere." So, so why? Because it would it was improbable for a young yeah you know I said officer what, to what uh, I said Kal Pushka Chand you know trying to keep me happy amused or something like that he said to jaldi aani chahiye and you uh, you have to go officer mazak mat karo and I forgot about it again he called me in the afternoon have you started I said started I said sir you are joking with me may I mila apko joke karne ke liye. He said, "No, yeah, you have to come down. I'm serious now. Please come down." I said, "What happened? Uh, that I have to come down? I've done no wrong at all. Uh, and I should be here only." He said, "No, you come down." And uh, he said, "You have to go to Europe. Mrs. Gandhi has decided to send you to Europe to five countries. You have to go." Huh? I said, "Again a joke? Or me? Or no one got it?" He said, "No, you come down." And sure enough, as soon as I got down, I was sent for my visa and passport and everything. I went to France. I went to Germany, I went to Switzerland, I went to Italy, and then I went to Austria. And uh, Mrs. Gandhi saw this national flag, and okay. she said, "Who it is at Bella Fonda?" So they said, "This youngster is there. You must go pandra din ke liye trip to." Okay. <laughs> so I went to Europe as part of a team, which was uh, to buy equipment. They said, they, "Since he is now aware of the equipment that has come from Europe, he can also suggest." certain ways to see that what more modifications are required and i had my first trip abroad kind courtesy <laughs> did you go back sir then to the mountain no i didn't go back you weren't yeah, because okay. by then my 90 days ho gaya tha mera huh. because i was inducted in april and uh, you know generally on top of uh, siachen we sent people for 90 so days so when you were there uh, you could look in into the shakskam valley Yeah. Now the Shakskam Valley is not towards Bela Fonda. Hmm. For Shakskam Valley, I saw it later. 
was again posted there as chief of staff of 14 Corps. And then that time I flew over Indra Kohl. So when you're flying on top of Indra Kohl, you can see the Shakskam Valley. And the, I could see the green grass. Imagine, I was I'm flying on top and I saw the Shakskam Valley, which had been ceded hmm. by Pakistan to China in 63, which is adjoining the Siachen Glacier. And in the Shakskam Valley is the Kunjara Pass, through which comes the Karakoram Highway, which now has this China-Pakistan economic corridor, which connects it to Gwada and comes from Kashgar, from Xinjiang province. Xinjiang province, Kashgar, comes down to Kunjara Pass, goes along Baltistan, Gilgit, runs along Skardu, goes as part of Karakoram Highway, then becomes the China-Pakistan economic corridor and then joins the Gwada. That part of India where Indians can't go. Yeah. That valley, that yeah, that, but, but part I of I believe it's very beautiful. That what uh, wonderful. That's also about five thousand square kilometers that the Pakistanis had to cede to China because to settle the boundary dispute. You know, China has a boundary a land boundary with fourteen countries, hmm. and only two countries they have not settled the boundary dispute with: India and Bhutan. These are the only two countries. With all of the uh, countries which, which they have a border with, they have settled the boundary dispute and give or take, mostly take, never give. So, Pakistanis lost Shakskam Valley and settled the boundary dispute with China. And Karakoram Pass, with which yeah. we refer to from NGN 942, had that succeeded, it would have had Pakistan China and India at that trijunction. So one question I had for you that, you know, I was reading about in one of your interviews, you said that you did your early schooling in Karachi and then you left Karachi and came to India and joined uh, Bal Bharti, then FO Central School and then Shiram uh, College of Commerce. So how come you were in Karachi? See, my dad was posted in the High Commission over there and during the 62 war, we were there in uh, Karachi. The India-China war? Uh, Indo-China war. I saw all of it. But uh, by 65, we were back in uh, India. And that was a time for the first time in the Indian uh, High Commission, a certain number of people were uh, told to leave Pakistan in 96 hours. Or was it a 72 hours? Something like that. And uh, a similar number of men, whoever were uh, told to leave Pakistan, similar number of men from India also would have been told because that's a very reciprocal thing. But that was for the first time. I have memories of the aircraft coming from uh, India, you know, bringing us back to Delhi. So my initial schooling uh, was in uh, Karachi. We were staying in, on Clifton Road, what is now where you find, uh, it is something like what we call Lutian Delhi. So Clifton Road in Karachi is uh, like that. And we were, I was studying in a school called Wendy School. The Bhutto's lived, I think, in uh, Karachi. Yeah, Bhutto's, yeah. everybody. The mm. top notch of uh, Pakistan uh, are on Clifton Road, including Dawood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Daud Ibrahim, yes. Yeah, Are also, you watching? Jal Gurkari might just return there. <laughs> he also stays on Clifton Road only, okay. guarded heavily by the uh, Pak Army for him. But uh, that's the way. And I studied in uh, Wendy School, which was not very far. And uh, Why did India-Pakistan do this? Because the war was with China. No, no, no 65 we were going to... Uh, the India-Pakistan conflict. war, okay. uh, Ayub Khan was, huh? thought that it is an opportune time because India has lost to China and that nothing better. And he used to think that uh, he used to call uh, Indians topi walas. And you'd be surprised, patent tanks, your saber jets, uh, latest of artillery equipment, all had started coming to Pakistan from United States. And 
all of it was being assembled he would come in shipment to karachi this Locked was preparation for preparation the first for war the second war it in 65 in and he did it right. it is just that you can have equipment hmm. but to use it in a manner like hmm. a professional it takes a lot of time but you were just a child at that time and your parents told you what that we're going back to india yeah going back to india and yeah. while going it was fantastic you know i have uh, i think we went in a ship hmm. while going we went in a ship karachi to mumbai uh, uh, mumbai to karachi yeah. and took quite a i think may have taken over four five days so it was fantastic as children we were enjoying on the ship khana peena masti while coming also it was damn good because there is an aerostes who came with a tray with a lot of chocolates hmm. i still remember i, I asked her, how many can i take <laughs> <laughs> this was air india take, probably oh, right yeah take as many as you want yeah. so it was free for all there after yeah so karachi was the consulate uh, out there right yes. in, no in no that. we had a embassy high uh, commission in karachi it subsequently that islamabad as a capital okay. came up that now you have karachi yeah. virtually uh, as a consulate but yeah. uh, those days it, it was, was uh, and i think the ambassador was uh, not the president the old called ji patasati ah, who was yes. also india's ambassador yeah, in china foreign service yeah yes. india's ambassador in china who yes. was also india's ambassador in uh, pakistan and uh, you know i have memories of uh, his the high commission jana picture dekhna chhat ke upar ja kar ke they would have a big screen and screening movies for us bismillah khan coming and playing shahnai all these actors actresses coming there you know entertaining us because there was a lot of human contact of, which was going oh on yes. in the 60s there, right there was nothing in fact what ayub did in 65 was quite a stab in the back because ayub khan is not uh, he was very good friends and mm. uh, well but he thought Uh, he always thought he, uh, you know even if you read uh, kasuri's book on uh, uh, neither a hawk nor a dove that also he says that uh, we used to call uh, indians baniya huh. he mentioned the word baniya so huh. he chose to be a uh, call for all hindus baniyas huh. so that is the way uh, he said but it was accepted matlab nobody minded it it was well accepted and uh, you know the, the indians uh, would call them musla hmm. it's just kasuri himself has written in his book Yeah, those were not considered pejorative terms in those days yeah, nothing, but nothing. today you don't uh, yeah. say that but actually if you listen in uh, to some of the commentary that comes in from pakistan they still say that ki baniya hindu you know yeah. in fact uh, uh, together, jain dikshit's book also says that that you know when he went visiting to a pakistani home in karachi uh, they turn around and they the kid turns around and says dekho dekho hindu kutta aaya uh, you know See, because this kind of a uh, uh, thing in pakistan i think came a little later because I, i have distinct memories of the books that were there in pakistan at that time it didn't sh- uh, have that kind of a hated then hmm. as much now that i think ziaul haq cuts is yeah i think it is after ziaul haq that leading india with a thousand cuts that radicalization that uh, you know kind of uh, islamic republic of pakistan and all that kind of a thing and the hatred for the indians developed now and now you find that the education system in pakistan is absolutely hate hate and hate so i've met many uh, foreign service officers who you know served in karachi served in islamabad and they always have stories to tell about how the iisi used to go you know follow them around and all that do you have any memories at that time you know in the 60s yeah, i do have uh, I, what my father uh, told me then you know they would meet and interact not with the iisi but with people in the cricket stadium in mm. the football stadium 
you know, go meet each other there and exchange information with not the ISI, about ISI. They would so, have somebody tailing you basically. hundred uh, percent. There's yeah. no question. I still remember I have memories of that uh, Chana Chur Garam. You would bring it in the newspaper wrapped, you know, yeah. Ekana. Ekana yeah. yeah. mein Chana Chur Garam, you would wrap like this in a newspaper and or in that uh, steel ka, uh, steel nahi wo, uh, iron ka wo, yeah. ek but you knew who he was aur, uh, mein do. of course they would be coming and feeding and very nice you can't mistake you know because I remember so in Islamabad me and you know I, I, a journalist and I we were we were there we would cover the events during the day or sham ko hum log nikal padte the so we, had, we were used to go to Jinnah Super which hmm. is one of their markets to shop around and there would be this one man who would come so the second day when we were going we were we two more journalists were there so hum log teen the ya char the and this man was still standing there. So we just turned to him and said, Aaj nahi aayenge aap. So he says, Amari motorcycle nahi aayi. So he says, Chalo, Amari gaadi mein aajau. He, the guy actually came with us because they didn't have, their tail didn't turn you know, up. He, so he came and sat in our car and he came with it us. It is unfortunate that Pakistan has turned the way it has turned. I have such lovely memories. I remember as a child, I was talking in Marathi, my mother tongue, with my father. And uh, ask him for something. Yeah, I want this or I want that. Or you better buy this for me and that. And uh, he would say, okay, chalo, let's go. That chap who's selling would speak in Marathi back sometimes. Telling my dad that your son is asking for it in Marathi is talking. Why don't you give it to him? Huh? My father said, how do you know Marathi? He says, I've lived my life in Mumbai. I've shifted to Karachi now. So mm -hmm. they could speak Marathi so fluently that it would shock us. So there is nothing that you could do in thinking if we are talking in code. But uh, I am talking with my father in Marathi and my father is talking to me in Marathi. Nobody understands. No, he is understanding everything because he is born and brought up in Mumbai. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> so, you know, it is unfortunate. I would even look back and say uh, unfortunate that as a nation, had Pakistan not turned radical the way they have turned radical and had they not been instigated and again, that instigation comes from China. If the Chinese instigated Pakistan, when the Shakskam Valley was being handed over, it is Pakistan was being advised by uh, China that, look, you two people look alike. You talk the same language. Why don't you do what we have done in 62 to them? And that is what prompted Ayub Khan to do what he did in Kashmir. So there, all this instigation, because uh, somehow the Chinese wouldn't like India, because of British imperialism and they thought that we were all talking English and you know we are not what we are supposed to be and uh, this thing so much so that when Pandit Nehru was visiting China for the first time he was being briefed that the word of command in the army are English stand at ease attention and it was turned to Savdhan and Vishram because the Chinese may not at a point of time think that you are British so we, we uh, slowly and steadily we turn Indianization when Khrushchev came in 1955 and when King George V doing over there? But when Queen Elizabeth came in 62 or uh, 61 or something like that, she was thrilled. That our grandfather of others, uh, this thing is, you know, there in the canopy. And in 68, Mrs. Gandhi had to remove King George under pressure. 
and it has taken us how many years from 1968 to put subhash chandra bose over there just see the indianization and the uh, uh, you know that love for our own culture love for our own history understanding it takes many years and uh, many years for people to keep lying also not telling you the truth of what has happened as i told you 10 aurangzeb lane jena used to be staying there and how he was uh, this thing and jena was all set to celebrate eid in shrinagar when the invasion took place he was told very clearly ki aap chalo you stage forward you will celebrate eid in shrinagar 27th of october we have signed the instrument of accession that we will take that by pakistan was said 3rd of november when the uh, shrinagar airfield yahan pe badgam ka battle hua hai major somnath sharma gets the paramvir chakra posthumous it is had it not for the defense uh, how else could we have gone across to shrinagar there was no uh, banihal we had to cross over and it was snowing it was is november you have to go back to think ki aaj ka november mein barf gire na gire us waqt november matlab baraf than and you can't cross the only way you could go to shrinagar was by air and had we not got that air field we would have lost yeah we would have lost shrinagar if not for the way the troops were being inducted all by air. everybody was inducted by air imagine at that point of time all aircrafts in india wherever there were jam air indian airlines jo bhi air india jiske paas bhi hawai jahaz tha kisi maharaja ke paas bhi tha that was all made available to just transporting troops to shrinagar yeah and that is how we could uh, protect jnk yeah. they were lost yeah and all planned orchestrated for pakistan by the british in this aurangzeb lane aurangzeb and by the british and auckland lake is the commander in chief and you have a british uh, chief and you have india also by bit the divide and rule and till recently we had this okin lake uh, senic aramgre delhi yeah. delhi station and uh, you you'll be surprised okin lake was under so much of pressure okin lake's wife ran away with the air marshal and because she <laughs> she went with air marshal of this the this is getting uh, very interesting yeah, <laughs> okay. because he she went with the uk's air marshal Okin Lake was deeply hurt that his wife had left him and had now married the air marshal of Mountbatten. Knowing fully well this has happened, he sent the air force chief back to UK, and Okin Lake, unable to withstand, finally left India in December of forty-seven. And this is the history why the air force chief's house is away from the Rajaji Marg Lane road. <laughs> There's trouble otherwise. <laughs> I, I, you know whose house is next to this, this thing? Hmm. The UK High Commissioner's house is adjoining the Chief of Army Staff's house. Chief of Army Staff. Yeah, I always wondered why that happened. Hmm. You Because know? at that time, you know, This the British the wanted to retain. Obviously, they wanted to see the South Block and the Teen Murti and everything by being there. And yeah. so there is still there. And everybody ignores it, but now it's come. The British yeah. High Commissioner's house is again in the limelight yeah. these days. But well, that's yeah. another story. So it's a lot that in history which we need. Maybe all. Uh, nothing very uh, this thing but it affects a human mind so is somebody who's commander in chief would he not know what the pakistanis are doing would he not know what the indians are doing would he not alert the indians ki look the pakistanis are doing like this the raiders are going to come and are going to attack 
would they not know that Muzaffarabad is going to fall so soon and that they have already uh, got about 5 to 10,000 people uh, who are Afridis and all these people from the, uh, the raiders uh, from Baluchistan and all over to uh, invade India. And sir, in today's context, would the Britishers not know that the Khalistanis are of coming course, to create trouble? Why, why do you think Thank God. Why do you think the government of India removed that uh, those barriers from their uh, this thing, residences over here? Just to tell them. It's a messaging that if we are protecting you, we expect a similar kind of reciprocal protection of our uh, missions abroad. Yeah. If you don't protect our missions abroad, then I'm sorry. We will also have to remove this barrier. We will protect you. So General Brar I had on the podcast uh, and he was attacked in London yeah. by Khalistanis. Absolutely. He survived in General Vaidya's, mm. after General Vaidya's mm. death. Mm. It was, he says, I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to die because I know for certain they will kill me. When is the matter? Mm. He said this on air when I interviewed him because he was, and he till today, sir, he opened the phone and showed me. He still gets uh, death uh, threats from the Khalistanis. Must be, must be. Because he doesn't yeah. stay here. He stays in Mumbai. Yes, but uh, he stays uh, in protection still, which is Absolutely. which is so hard. And after we lost General Vaidya, I think it was like... Uh, he, was was chief, he was, he was the, the chief. He was the chief in 1984. Yeah, Blue Star. I remember when I went to for my investiture of Shara Chakra, uh, he was the chief. So, so good memories. But then it's just too uh, bad, yeah. you know, these kind of things... Uh, yeah, let's get back to uh, Operation Mengtut. This did not sit well with the Pakistanis. They not kept well. fighting and there was... Uh, <clears throat> 1987 was this major assault when seen, uh, Brigadier Musharraf, when uh, he was... Musharraf himself as was, uh, yeah. the LSG, their uh, SSG. And uh, as a brigadier, by then he had been promoted to brigadier and he had taken over. He lost attacks, one after the other, and he failed in all the attacks. And that's where Bana... Uh, earned his Paramvir Chakra. That's where you found a lot of uh, Mahavir Chakras and V Chakras being given subsequently uh, uh, for these battles over there. And it was around the same time, 23rd of June 84, the Pakis launched attack. Again, 23rd of June 1987, the Pakis launched attack. Now, 23rd June, by and large, is supposedly the longest day. Hmm. So you have, uh, you know, clear day, almost till about 8.30, quarter to 9 at night. You can see la great distance. So you have the longest day is the 23rd of June. And that is the time twice the Pakis attempted. And that is where uh, at all times Pakis uh, lost and uh, to great loss of theirs. Hmm. And that is where you found Benazir, uh, you know, trying to tell uh, Pakistani army chief and the rest of them, that you put the Yes, in 1989, I think it was when she stormed in supposedly yeah, and into GHQ and said, she told uh, she General bangles Musharraf bangles or burka And you can't dislodge any unnecessarily trying to throw weight over us. You can't even dislodge the Indians. So these kind of sharp things that she said to General Musharraf, he didn't forget it. She paid for it. She paid so much so. She paid with her life. Her father, Zulfikar Ali, also. Uh, humiliated Ziaul Haq hmm. and because he humiliated Ziaul Haq and uh, Ziaul Haq also did not forget that humiliation and he lost his life and hmm. similarly Musharraf also did not suffer uh, that humiliation by whatever Benazir had done and I'm, though of course it can't still be proved but the fingers are pointing towards Musharraf that she lost her life too yeah that <laughs> when when he when she said Churiya Pehenlo yeah. To because him. Uh, that was a direct insult to the Pakistani armed forces. They were trying to instigate them that you people are unnecessarily being harsh on the Pakistanis. But uh, when it comes to fighting hmm. with the Indians, 
you are losing everywhere and look what's happening to you in Siachen since 84 you're not able to do anything so this kind of uh, thing by the politicians in Pakistan have not been taken well by their armed forces mm. and they have suffered and sir uh, we were talking you were uh, saying 27th of April the first attack came? first uh, yes the first firing Firing. On the Pakistan and, side. Uh, and 23rd June 1984 was the first uh, attack by the Pakistan. And this firing was taking place, uh, this first from firing. Uh, from uh, And you were at the post. I was at Bella Fondla. And uh, 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 what kind of an attack it ah, was from that side? Beautiful. Uh, very, you know, excellent. You know, something you've taken me back uh, those days. On the uh, 26th of uh, June, you know, they, they fired uh, with their mortars on top of Bella Fondla. And um, obviously, when they fired the top of uh, Bella Fondla on the 20, uh, 23rd, 22nd of June, 22nd of June, they fired on top of uh, this thing. And I said, okay, fine. If they fired, uh, I knew something is a mess. So I told my uh, boys, I said, oh, please dig your trenches. Digging trenches was only clearing the snow. Everything is all snow there. I said, and one of my boys was called Jalandria. Because uh, even though a Kumauni, he had spent a lot of time in Punjab, in Jalandhar. So we used to call him Jalandria. So he told us that Jalandria came and told me, I can't do that. I will do it in stand to me. Stand to me, you know, in the morning, we would all be occupying our trenches at about 4.30, around first night. I'll clear the trench and you will see it clear. But forget about today, I'm not going to clear it. I'm tired. So I said, Jalandria. You have to do your job here. He said, sir, and you know, he prevailed upon me by his talk. And I said, okay, in the morning you do it. So that was on the 22nd of June. 23rd June, uh, there was a boy called Chanchal. And he was uh, on the front edge of Bella Fonda. And uh, suddenly a boy came to me and he told, uh, in the morning at about 4 o'clock, uh, sir, Dushman. Oh my God. I said, Dushman. I had uh, passed orders to the boys who were patrolling on top of uh, Bella that every one hour you must come and say Jaihin to me or Ram Ram to me or whatever are your greetings because now the boys were mixed. Some boys greeted Ram Ram like in the Kumar regiment we greet each other Ram Ram. Some greeted Jaihin. You know, some greeted Sastriya Kal because there were Sikh troops uh, with me on there. So I said whatever be, uh, is comfortable to you and greeting but you must greet me uh, every one hour and I must reply. I must reply. Or I must say, hum, ha, jai hind, ram, ram, whatever I have to say, I will reply. If I don't, please see whether I'm dead or alive. Mm -hmm. Because possibly I may, may be dead and you may not know. So, so every time they would come after one hour, and this was going on for months on. So they would come, they say, ram, ram, sahab, jai hind, sahab, you know, satsuya, kal, sahab. And I would, hmm, hmm, like that. So when he come, came at four o'clock, he said, dushman. He said, dushman. On the glacier, it is absolutely white. So, movement on the glacier early hours of the morning could be spotted. And he said, I said, who told you? He said, Chanchal. Chanchal ne kuch harkat he had gone to clean. Clear no, he, up the... he was a sentry. He was oh. sentry over okay. there. So, he saw uh, at night he could not spot it. But probably at the cover of night, they came as close as they could. And now they had to climb the the, to come on top of Bella Fondla. So he, Chanchal told this chap who was the uh, patrol commander okay, some harkat. So he came and told me. I told them, I said, stand to. Stand to means everybody now should get into the trenches. Now obviously Jalandria had only dug a part of that trench and so that 
beyond that nobody could go so but whoever had dark hair there now because on the 22nd of june they had fired uh, with their mortars on top of her i fired my mortars now since i had fired my mortars on the 22nd the bla- base plate of the mortar had sunk hmm. and had you know firmed it and by morning the f- it was the snow becomes ice yeah. absolutely like patthar you know it's very difficult so it had uh, sunk now i find that sure enough the first shot hit chanchal on his head oh. and chanchal was no more now obviously they sh- because they re- saw that there is movement that has taken place on the post and that this post is alert now the attack is a sure failure because either they could have only assaulted us attacked us if we were sleeping so there's no way these people are all alert they have already occupied position and the firing had started so now chanchal that is the only casualty i had on the glacier two more had been wounded one got shot on the leg and yet another got shot on the arm and all of us were, and then we repulsed that attack and a few uh, about a dozen plus of the pakistanis dead wounded and they attacked this thing that was on the 23rd of june 1984 that the attack was repulsed and after that subsequently they kept uh, attacking we had deinducted and then subsequently they attacked they kept trying came. to come up the cliff they are wanting to come and occupy bela fondla because occupation of bela fondla was uh, very important for them but during this interim period they had occupied a height which was overlooking bela fondla oh. so they used to call it uh, qaid e azam you know the father Mo- of the nation Mohammed, father mohammad ali jinnah's name qaid e azam post now that qaid e azam post was occupied by them that made our stay at bela fondla a little difficult hmm. that made our helicopters come for logistics supply difficult because now he was on a height on height which was, and that they got disloyed by bana and his party of jackalai and it is that dislodging of the pakistanis from there and subsequently the post being named bana top and he having earned a paramveer chakra is great because to be able to fight at that height to be able to beat back in a pakistani attack i can understand because i did that on the 23rd of june 84 and similar action in a more difficult terrain a much more higher height and being able to dis, uh, you know discreetly be able to sneak in so close to them and kill them i think it was wonderful so yeah. bana top was also part of operation megdoot yeah it, the it's operation megdoot is on till date it's on till date man the operation megdoot hasn't closed at all in fact for many years we did not even refer and not many people knew that there was an that operation was because operation. it was all hush hush what was going on and it's only later when people started getting to know because a lot of casualties started coming in and most casualties were weather casualties not more of firing the first weather casualty was of course ramesh and the first firing casualty was chanchal mm. and before this and uh, around may uh what you uh, had a question to that there was bela fondla and siala and there's a place called giongla mm, at giongla we had lost 19 men in an avalanche we had lost one officer and 18 other ranks of 19 kumau in an avalanche at giongla so it was terrible because uh, we were losing men to weather and we were losing men to firing and uh, each one of us at that point of time and you find uh, conditions are extremely extremely difficult. difficult primarily because of the sub zero which goes very low minus 50 wind the wind chill factor uh, which is there plus no water because at night everything will freeze water will only be there so one stuff 
इज वर्चुअली पपेचुअली ऑन इन अ टेंट एटलीस्ट वॉटर पीने पानी पीने के लिए चाहिए देन इवन दो यू हैव चॉकलेट्स यू हैव द वर्क्स यू हैव ऑल द ड्राई फ्रूट्स अराउंड इन योर टेंट यू कांट ईट दे नो एपेटाइट एवरीथिंग टर्न हार्ड एग विल टर्न लाइक अ स्टोन एंड अ रॉक यू कैन हिट ईच अदर एंड प्रोबेबली गेट हर्ट द सेम एग यू मेड इट सो इट इज वेरी वेरी डिफिकल्ट बट देन बाय देन वॉट यू आर आस्किंग अ लॉट ऑफ रिसर्च वेंट एन and the drdo and the rest of them started making food which so was eat, uh, which would be eaten immediately like chapatis hmm. chapatis would come uh, in a nice packed thing and all that we need to do is just put in hot water and put the chapati in hot water take it out cut the thing and you could eat chapatis you could eat uh, pulao you could eat make dal so everything pre cooked works yeah. then everything was pre cooked right. everything that came was pre cooked all that it had to be put was in hot water and in that boiling water it was that with the satchel entire thing all this came from their uh, lab in mysore La- mysore all of it hmm. you find that uh, you know the uh, children today we have all these wearing diapers these diapers is nothing but when people were sent to moon and when you have to use this uh, long time those men the astronauts have to wear something right, to right. sustain themselves so you yeah. find children today wearing diapers diapers nothing but from this mission which is going to moon you find that and and the food which was yeah. prepared for siachen soldiers yeah. is now going to go on the gaganyaan yeah same and same lab is same, making that and the same food helps today hmm. so all these uh, kind of uh, food which is available on the market so one question i have to ask you which we were mentioning that it seems a little odd that you know uh, indira gandhi signs off on operation meghdoot in april she does blue star in may and she is dead by november can you do- join the dots or see wow. again if you see what general ziaul haq told his uh, dgis <laughs> jal akhtar that keep punjab burning so general ziaul directions to his dgis is to keep punjab burning so that they could take on siachen and they could link up with china the aim was not that they are they are not linked up because they had given uh, hunza and they had given shaksham valley to Uh, China, Chinese. but they wanted that link up at Karakoram Pass. That Karakoram Pass, which was accepted as a uh, border between India and China. Now, the Pakistanis were also because of the Hudson's line. The Hudson did not draw. I don't think they would have drawn the line, keeping all this in view. But they would have drawn it primarily for you know identification of aircraft, more that ADIZ, what they call it. So they uh, to ensure that the aircraft pilot knows that is. now flying into hmm. another country because the courts change everything changes so they know ki kaise karna hai so it is with that intention that the pakistanis were looking and uh, now you suddenly find that as uh, 76 km wedge between uh, china and pakistan is india sitting on siachen glacier then now chinese have ensured that the pakistanis can do no mischief in xinjiang because the yuga uh, province which is completely muslims over there at this point of time they fear that the pakistanis might do a mischief they don't trust pakistan much that they may say our friendship is deeper than the ocean higher, know, higher than, than the himalayas yeah. sweeter than the honey all yeah. that is perfectly fine but they don't trust i'm sure they don't trust pakistan but, yeah. and that is the reason why you find that because of the cpc and the karakoram highway which musharraf mentions it as the eighth wonder of the world with the chinese were building and constructing which suffered uh, there was a huge damage when a huge earthquake took place in that area and because of which the karakoram highway had uh, completely been washed away and now you realize that the karakoram highway the chinese are there now you find in the park occupied kashmir the chinese are sitting there 
sitting because uh, in the gaba wanting to construct the cpc wanting to you know repair the karakaram highway it is not with that intention that is one the second is to ensure that this acts as a buffer that the pakistanis don't send terrorists to sinkiang Hmm. because that's the only way that uh, is connected to them so chinese are also very apprehensive because chinese were themselves surprised when they found some from uyghur province uh, part of isis so there is a whole lot of things happening around here you find that the khalistan movement being supported by isi from pakistan it even now being supported uh, ziaul haq wanting to say that we will bleed india with a thousand cuts So that is uh, still on. You find in '84 all this happening. You find that the Soviets are in Afghanistan. Uh, the Americans wanting to throw the Soviets and Pakistan is helping uh, America with mujahideens. '84. Yeah. All, all, all of it this around was the happening. same time. Everything. Yeah. So you find geopolitics absolutely. And there's a cyclical thing to it. You know, uh, sir. I'm going to come to uh, in 2000 the lessons learned from Operation Meghdoot. Though it's still on, as you were saying, but still the the start of the operation and what we have learned from that. You know, in 2005, Dr. Manmohan Singh said, "Let's make Siachen a, a peace mountain." And I quote: "He says nobody fears any threat." 2005, he says nobody fears any threat. There is no scope for conflict, and this place becomes an example of peaceful environment. That's what he had said. Now, how long will we allow these conditions to prevail in Siachen? Because of the number of men we were losing, uh, both sides were losing. And he said, now the time has come for us to make efforts to convert this battlefield. into a peace mountain and he added talks were going on with pakistan in this regard of course there was no there's no information about where the talks were leading who was conducting the talks it was just said like this in hindsight now i mean so many years have passed do you think it was it was right could it ever have been turned into a peace mountain in quotes definitely no a big no for a reason you can't trust pakistan Firstly, and secondly, you are occupying heights. Why would you want to lose heights in mountains? It's all question of heights. Sham Saran has mentioned a part of it in his book. The Foreign Secretary yeah, of India, former Secretary. Yeah. yeah, he has mentioned somewhere to say that uh, the army was also on the board, and you know the prime ministers, this thing and that thing. I don't think the uh, at any point of time he would know more because he was the Foreign Secretary. But uh, I would say that we wanted, uh, you know, if at all. Uh, such a thing we would want pakistan to firstly accept and be able to confirm where they are because they were saying all along that they are on siachen once they identify by now that we have the means to identify where the troops are it would be clear that pakistan is nowhere on siachen they were even on the other side of uh, saltoro ridge line so the question of being on siachen is You know, so, but the media would still would out. put out these pictures, uh, saying that these are our men on Siachen, and then we would turn our people would turn around and say that that yeah. mitti is not Siachen. No, no, not at all. Nobody brown, knows. You know, yeah. you see what happens is that glacier looks the same everywhere. So you can't possibly be doing. You can make Bahubali's. You know, your <laughs> things can be done anywhere. Graphics, yes. <laughs> so that that doesn't make. So Pakistanis are wanting to see that yes, they are nowhere near Siachen. and you don't trust pakistan at all you know pakistan is who do you trust in pakistan who runs pakistan the politicians can't be trusted because they don't know what is going on remote control or the real control is with the pak army you can't trust the pak army because pak army by and uh, by and large is always using terrorism as an instrument of state policy isi you can't trust as i said zaul haq himself telling dgsi punjab mein inko lagaye rakh tu 
and Siachen Vilte. So Pakistan is not a country which can be trusted at all. This trust and you wanted to lose the height. Imagine hindsight. Imagine the kind of uh, you know the feeling of uh, that it's an acid test for a soldier. You ask a soldier today, he he takes pride in saying I served on Siachen. Why does he say though he's serving 90 days, maybe some a little more, but the fact that you have said now first woman officer on glacier stays 90 days or will be staying 90 days, why do does everybody say so? Because you take pride, you're testing your human endurance as to can you survive, can you do something good, and all that. And if you can survive, that has helped us a great deal in fighting in Eastern Ladakh. Why the, the Chinese on the back line of actual yeah, control with China? Control because all the troops, more or less, since '84 by now, would have experienced Siachen. Because if, if they're staying only for 90 days and you have to turn over the troops, quite sizable number of them would have served on Siachen and come back. If you have served on Siachen and lived in you temperatures do, minus yeah. 50 and minus 75, you could live in rarefied oxygen. You could live in this kind of weather conditions where blizzard over there and positions where you can't eat. You have snow blindness. You can't sleep. You can't see. You can't breathe. You find it difficult to talk. You find difficult to touch anything. If you can survive there and still be vigilant and be a sentry on the post and be able to say the dushman has come, you think Chinese can face India? Because for them, you find that the, these people are up and about, and so that confidence only comes when you have gone through all this. The rigors of Siachen, the kind of weather, terrain, inhospitable terrain, terribly inhospitable terrain. Each one of us. So he's thoroughly like what he said, acclimatization. So everybody in the Indian Army is acclimatized to fight at those great heights without, you know. We can say we have an army of mountaineers who can easily see, be deployed they, from eastern. You see the LAC, to eastern, the LAC uh, or the LOC is all along that only, all along the mountains only, most yeah. of it, and therefore it is a great experience mm. that the Indian Army gets by mm. being on top of Siachen. At the same time. Pakistan cannot be trusted. Mm. And thirdly, when you are occupying heights, why would you want to lose heights? And so when you uh, say occupying those heights, would, just yeah. see how difficult it would be. We'd have to get another Captain Kulkarni no, to go uh, there. Then. Again, as I said, Captain Kulkarni is next because he is absolutely nothing as much. Our troops yeah. are great men, fantastic so, men, yeah. unbelievable yeah. men. Yeah. Well, they are willing to die, willing to give their life, and be trained to ensure. That those kind of troops, again you have to launch. You see what happened in Kargil. Why was Kargil launched? Yes, sir, that's what I was going to come. Was Kargil a revenge uh, for what had happened in Siachen? Did Musharraf think that we lost? And I, I have to say, face absolutely. It was yeah. sure revenge by Musharraf because he said, "I must show the Indian armed forces in poor light," because he, as uh, SSG commander, failed. All his attacks failed. One after the other, as a brigadier, he failed. And now he was the chief of the army staff. So much so that when uh, Prime Minister Vajpayee is being introduced by uh, Nawaz Sharif, he refuses to salute our Prime Minister. Look at it. What's going on in his mind? Because he was already thinking of Kargil. He already knew what he was going to be doing in Kargil. And therefore, you find that this man thought that occupying Kargil Heights would be a quid pro quo for what. The Indians had done to them on Siachen. It wasn't to be. The Pakistanis could not fight the Indians on Siachen and are nowhere near Siachen. But we fought hard to regain our heights on Kargil. On Kargil. 
But of course, at what cost? Yeah. At what cost? So therefore, in mountains, whoever occupies heights must not vacate those heights. And therefore, to say so that we can make it peace mountain, definitely not. I don't think as long as uh, the neighbors are what we have, and we can't change our neighbors, whether it's Pakistan or China, we might well as be alert 24 by 7. And I would say forewarned is forearmed. I will quote you in which you had said capacity building takes time. Intentions can change overnight. 100%. 100%. Capacity. If you see how much time it's taking, even to occupy Bala Fondla, your helicopters can take maximum two. Now the helicopters don't even take two. They sometimes take only 15 kgs or 50 kgs per flight. Only 50 kgs. Or if they're Mi-17s flying bigger, then they're dropping. They're not landing. So these small ones are taking only 50 kg. A man weighs more than that. So that means you can take only one man with nothing. So just see the amount of logistics involvement, the porters, the helicopters, cells, not easy. So the, once you occupy these great heights, so capacity building takes time. Now, if you're there, uh, eyeball to eyeball and mirror image uh, deployment in Ladakh, opposite the Chinese, you think the Chinese will venture anything wrong? Despite what they did at Galwan, they did attempt to do that at uh, Yangtze, in Tawang, near Tawang in Arunachal Pradesh. What did that show? That they are probing. We have to be alert. We have to ensure. And what better training and what better you know, the kind of motivated troops that we have, the kind of training ground that we have, the kind of training that we impart, the kind of equipment that we give, the kind of modern equipment, weapon, uh, you know, the kind of food that we are giving, the living that is available today, the kind of huts that we have constructed for them, centrally heated things that are there, communication facilities available, where Fernandez would even tell the bureaucrat that before you sign a file on Siachen, please make sure that you have seen Siachen. If yeah. you have not seen Siachen, uh, don't sign up. You're talking about Raksha Mantri George Fernandez yeah. who went to Siachen and who experienced that. You know, not, not many people thought that uh, George Fernandez, you know, because he was wearing a kurta. Yeah. Yeah. kurta pajama, on top of that kurta pajama, you will wear all this equipment and go there. He's yeah. one uh, defense minister who's gone maximum number of time on Siachen because he realized that if these troops are there, it's very essential. Why does uh, the prime minister go? Why does Mr. Modi go so often uh, celebrating Diwali with the troops? troops? It's only for that morale-boosting factor to be able to tell the troops that we are standing with you, we are with you. And once you go there, your eyes are enough to show you whether the morale is high or low. So you, also the civilian leadership, unless they see on ground what the troops need, till then they can't sign off on absolutely. stuff. Like you went, uh, General Hoon went and got all those, uh, all that equipment. Now, had he not seen it and had he not told uh, Venkatraman who was the Raksha Mantri and had he not told the Prime Minister, they will, because we, for us, in the way Indian Army is, the civilian leadership has to sign off on everything. Right? So, I think uh, maybe that is probably the reason why, uh, you know, the army always wants the civilian leadership to go to the forward areas. And another thing is, you know, after all, we, are, we were not uh, a very developed nation at that point of time. Sir. GDP-wise, we were not as strong as that we are today. If we are among the top five, it's great because we spend about five crores per day uh, to sustain our troops on Siachen. So, today it is affordable. 
but those days it probably was difficult to sustain and therefore the need is you know all these talks peace mountain bana lo ye kar lo wo yeah. kar lo to uh, cut down but you know cutting down on cost even when you talk of teeth to tail ratio here to sustain 10 men on top of bill of honor probably would have a tail which is of 40 to 50 men mm. then only can you sustain those 10 men so when you say cutting teeth to tail ratio and wanting to you know uh, cut short uh, the arm it's not easy because the terrain that we all operate in is extremely extremely difficult you can't have your tanks and bmps and weapons starting in the morning wo freeze ho jayega ab start kaise karoge but that's the even in uh, uh, on lac we yeah. have this problems right ki wo diesel wali three tunners hoti hain you have to keep it warm we have yeah. to ensure that the equipment is functional the time when you start tuck lagaye to start ho gaya you can't now be uh, ensuring ki wo start nahi ho raha hai and you to keep them operational yeah, for several hours on. it yeah. has to be on for whatever the number of hours it supposedly only then the equipment is functional so it's not easy to be able to fight or deter your adversaries on such heights so you know you lost men um, you were talking about chanchal and you talked about ramesh uh, when they passed away i'm just bringing the human element into this that you know that there is one thing about tactical moves which have to be done but you know like when kargil happened uh, at that time our soldiers passed away we didn't have this all weather coffins to bring back our soldiers and those had to be imported and at that time i still remember that you know there was this whole talk that coffin tak import karna pad raha hai that what is it how were these till then how were bodies of our soldiers uh, the last how were they sent back and what happened after kargil see what happens is those these wooden coffins were made then mm-hmm. the wooden coffins are heavier to carry also plus obviously you have to cut Uh, ensures that so much of wood is available, and then if it has to be transported, the government had taken a decision that the body must reach the family. If it has to reach the family earlier, we would like in '84, most of the uh, people who died in Avalanche. Unit pay cremation. Would, uh, we did, cremated them there only, and you just sent a telegram to the family saying that. So uh, uh, Ramesh and uh, Chanchal anyway. got cremated uh, at base only. camp. Yeah, I, and uh, you mentioned about Ramesh. You know, I remember when uh, we went for the investiture ceremony. because uh, he had got kirti chakra postman so his wife was carrying a small baby about 7 months just 7 months baby and years later years later his brother called me up to say that that little baby has grown up and he wants to join fokuma oh okay Or i said wow <laughs> oh i said nothing like it what a fantastic that lady had married at all and she was carrying this 7 uh, month old baby Who must have been she herself must have been about maybe nineteen or twenty small. Her father-in-law was uh, from the Kumaon Regiment. Her father was from the Kumaon Regiment. Kumaon Regiment is one of is one of the oldest regiments. Oldest regiment, very highly decorated. decorated. The first Paramis Chakra is Major Somnath Sharma. Uh, Regiment, and incidentally, viewers, our office is on Somnath Marg, and so when General mentions this, this office is exactly where uh, you know the road uh, is Major Somnath Marg. And you'll be surprised, Major Somnath, both brothers who are younger to him are still alive. Yeah, one of them retired as the chief of the army staff. So. The other one retired as the engineer in chief. The one who's engineer in chief will turn hundred this year. Hundred this year, and the chief of army staff will be a little lesser than that. And both of them, touch wood, may God give them good life and long life, stand straight, Sir. and can recollect no loss of memory whatsoever. Yeah. And their brother 
got the first Paramvi Chakra on 3rd of November 1947. Hmm. And imagine it's 2023. The brothers are alive. And they yeah. know everything because they were also the one who uh, is alive at 99 plus will turn 100. He was a captain. Hmm. When Major Somnath Sharma was a major in the army, he was a captain. In the army, So yes. imagine, and yeah. their father, a general. Yeah. His father was a general, army medical corps. Yeah. So, sir, I'll come back to this uh, this whole Kargil. What experience from uh, Siachen uh, did we learn and uh, use in Kargil? And what have we learned and used on the LAC, you would think? that All that's happening in Galwan and uh, in Arunachal. See, first, of course, the troops themselves. Right. It's very essential. The acclimatization. The man all behind that, yeah. the weapon is very important. You mm. could have the finest of weapons, the finest of modern equipment and what have you. But if the man behind it is not mentally tuned and his morale is high. He must be physically fit and mentally robust. To be physically fit and to be mentally robust, it's very essential that he must be familiar under, under the circumstances he's supposed to be operating in. So when he sees all of it, he knows it. He, if it is, uh, he can sort of protect himself. You know, though we have buddy system, we, each one of us, uh, he, if I'm trained into being able to identify that, suddenly you find that he's not talking much or is showing symptoms of high altitude sickness, immediately we tell the doctor or pick up the phone and tell the uh, moment you lose height, you start improving yourself. Mm. So all these kind of things which come there, now you realize how much of weight can you carry? How can you sustain yourself at that great height? You understand how logistics are important because it is not how much, it is after all to bring even the 15 kgs of atta at that great height you, so many people are required and each one of them will be handing over to the other person and otherwise is flying in by the so choppers. So numbers are important. I remember some Cargill at mules, that time they had said self. that we keep shooting them yeah. and cockroach ki tara upar aate no, rehte hain. In the sense that the reason I, they, they used the word cockroach was that you are not going to stop. No. More and more men will come even if they and get shot it's at. It's not easy. You know, it's very easier said than done. When you see a man in front of you dead or wounded and you're still carrying on, it's not easy. You have to be trained. You have to be very motivated to see to it irrespective of what it is. And that only comes when you know for sure that your family will be taken care of. And that soldier knows that his family will be taken care of. Even if he's a bachelor and he's died, his family gets over a crore. And... If it is mother or father, they get the last pay drawn of that boy as if he's still in survey. Wife gets it. Children are taken care of. Money comes in. So the man knows. He's not there. Of course, the individual may know he's not there. He's a big uh, loss to the family. But financially, the family is taken care of. And that assurance. I think is a huge motivating factor in India. In India, when you in have Pakistan, sir, the NLI lost so many no, in Kargil. Sad, yeah. very sad. They would not even identify their bodies. They would not even take their bodies. We wrapped them up in Pakistani flags and told them, "Lejo." That is where it is. I remember in Kargil there was an officer by the name of Captain Taimur, you know, General V K Singh's company officer, uh, retired as uh, Lieutenant General. Uh, colleague of mine, Lieutenant General K.L. Singh, 
and uh, his battalion, 27 Rajput that he was commanding, they had killed Captain Taimur and the party uh, occupying a height of 5770. I'm talking 5770 in meters. When I'm saying in meters, you have to multiply by 3.3 to know the height in feet. feet. So you can well imagine at what height they killed. Taimur was, well, born with a silver spoon. It, his grandfather was in London, father was a brigadier. and th So they wanted his body. And uh, they wrote uh, that, uh, please get his body and send it to us. We would like to have Taimur back. I remember General KLK telling them, why just his body? We'll send all your bodies. Why not only him? All your Pakistani bodies are lying with us. Please take them all. Did they take? Yeah. And we wrapped all of them in the Pakistani flag and sent them. And they accepted all of them. I said, no, not only Taimur. Why Taimur? And the others Pakistani soldiers? I said, a soldier is a soldier. You must respect the dead. And please take. They took all the bodies. So, uh, sir, uh, just want to ask you. You have been, uh, you, uh, you, Musharraf failed as a colonel as a brigadier, then as a general. In between, as a major general, lieutenant general, any failures with India? Uh, uh, well, well for, for him, you know, what have, what would have happened? He would have been a co-commander. Okay. And uh, uh, the other things, uh, he would have been in touch with Nawaz Sharif was the man who made him, made him. Uh, the chief of the army staff. And, uh, well, I don't know because he is a different kind of a person, but I do remember uh, reading in a book uh, in which... Uh, Nawaz Sharif was very known to give very expensive gifts to the core commanders and especially the core commander uh, so that uh, you know he they are kept Mirko in don't do a midnight coup and you know don't the, have me hanging from the, the jail room core commanders in Pakistan would uh, themselves be saying core commander crore commander because he would give them BMWs Give them brand new BMWs. That yeah. is the way Pakistan is run. So you have the Prime Minister of Pakistan Bribing uh, his gifting own <laughs> his own co-commander so that they are kept in good humor. And uh, there it is. So you have all these kind of stories. Uh, I don't know much about it. So we had General uh, VK Singh out here and uh, we were talking to him because, you know, I quoted once, he had said that as a military commander, he kind of had a respect for General Musharraf because he came 11 kilometers inside India. And Got he it. stayed uh, a night because, I mean, foolhardy moves that he had done. But he was like, he was like, jeetna hi hai. So to motivate his men, he came in and 11 kilometers inside and he stayed, stayed the night. Now you tell me, at that time I said, it wasn't it foolhardy for him to do that and General VK Singh said that sometimes you need to do these kind of things is that true? See what happens firstly of course uh, General Musharraf uh, being a commando himself and you do need to motivate your people who he himself subsequently said they are not my men yeah he disowned his he own men right. and NLI the Northern Light Infantry and he called them Terrorists, or you call them, ye ji hero the. Hmm. Musharraf's word for all his terrorists were, this is hero. The. Now, there's heroes whom he called them. He disowned them. We had to uh, virtually plead that please take back your bodies. Otherwise, we will give them a good funeral. That is not a problem. We respect the dead and we will give them funeral. But they are your men. Accept them. So, uh, definitely, I would say Musharraf at that point of time to motivate his people, he would have done that. 
anybody would do that to motivate his men in whichever form that they wish to get motivated or i think they require that uh, kind of motivation that's perfectly fine but as a general he let down his men totally yeah without fail as a chief the first thing that he should have done he should have owned is you know even the kind of uh, ill treatment that he gave to some of our own officers whose bodies came subsequently the kind of things that they had done i think it was uh, not expected of a country who are our neighbors now what is yusuf musharraf himself his own death nobody knows what time his body is flown in from dubai how quietly the funeral has been given nobody knows other than the family where so obviously a man who did not look after his men in the manner that he should have finally found the same farewell to his own body तो इट इज जो जैसे जो करेगा वैसे वो भरेगा मुशरफ कनॉट बिकॉज ही लेट डाउन हिज कंट्री ही लेट डाउन हिज मेन एंड ही अटेम्प्टेड टू डू समथिंग विच यू थॉट दैट इंडियंस विल टेक इट लाइंग डाउन हाउ कैन इंडियंस टेक इट लाइंग डाउन एंड नाउ आफ्टर दैट इफ समबडी विशेज टू मेक अ लो हैंगिंग फ्रूट की सियाचिन इज अ लो हैंगिंग फ्रूट और इसको पीस पार्क बना देंगे और ये नॉट पॉसिबल पाकिस्तान इज नॉट अ नेशन दैट कैन बी ट्रस्टेड बिकॉज यू नेवर नो वॉट इज गोइंग टू हैपन in 1947 10 aurangzeb lane mohammad ali jinnah used to stay country has not been formed also pakistan bana bhi nahi still then pakistani officers were going to jinnah and wanting to plot what they did subsequently in jammu and kashmir yaya khan is a g2 to field marshal manaksha manaksha is g1 as lieutenant colonel Yahya Khan is major as G two and Sinha seventy one was being planned. Yeah, president of Pakistan in seventy one, Yahya Khan. He was major to Field Marshal Manaksha later, then Lieutenant Colonel Manaksha. And who was the G three General Sinha, who later became SK the S K Sinha, S K Sinha, Vice Chief, Governor, and Ambassador of Ours to Nepal. Yeah, they three. And what does Yahya Khan do? You'll be surprised. Yahya Khan took the motorcycle of Manaksha and told him that I'll pay you later. You give me your motorcycle because the same motorcycle, Field Marshal Manaksha, then as a colonel, would pick him up from Princess Park next to India Gate. Is Princess Park? Yes. So they were all staying there as youngsters. He'd pick him up and bring him to office, and he said, while leaving, uh, going back to Pakami, he said, uh, Manaksha, I want your motorcycle. He said it costs so much. Yeah. He said, No, no, yeah. I'll pay you once I go back to Pakistan. He never paid, and believe you me, Field Marshal Manaksha told Yaya. Yeah, partner you never paid me for the bike now you have to pay east pakistan <laughs> zameen gawadi you have to pay me for what you lost because you didn't pay me for my motorcycle you know i think mere baal safed ho jayenge par main yaya khan ki kahaniyan sun sun ke i mean how many tales of video because we are we were in the uh, 10th to 11th standard at that time drunk fully drunk yaya khan i couldn't imagine i said ye pakistan ka president hai itna daru pe and what is talking I think he alone knew what he was talking. I I still remember, sir. Seventy one. I must have been a child or something at that time. You know, I was like in seventy one. I recall at that time in school, our uh, seniors बोलते थे जय जवान जय किसान dash 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 Yahya Khan. You know. Because at that time Yahya Khan was such a villain, he used to claim all kinds of things. That I have bombed India. I have bombed India. If you recollect, I don't know whether you recollect. We used to have a uh, news item from All India Radio, which used to say, "Yeah, radio Jutistan is." <laughs> you know, yeah. and that Jutistan used to cover all what these Pakistanis were yeah. saying, yeah. what they are doing, and what is happening over there. Obviously, 
you know, when you're on the back foot, you're always wanting to uh, not to tell your nation yeah. that you've lost the war. Yahya Khan again had a very funny thing. You know, his eyebrows would be like this. You know, yeah. like uh, and he wanted to show himself. And uh, he's one of those few Pathans. Huh? Uh. Yahya Khan, along with Ayub Khan. Ayub Khan. Uh, Ayub yeah. Khan was also a Pathan. Yahya Khan also a Pathan. Who were. Uh, the, the but it's the first time so also, you know you've seen the park army eyeball to eyeball like you were talking about yeah, yeah, you know those so many times i see i met them at monabao monabao is the place in uh, rajasthan where from uh, you go to the train can go up to khokrapa mm. right across and you have water trains coming and uh, delivering us water at monabao now of course the fencing has been done those days we used to meet them very often at the border pillar the whole fencing is on the dunes i have seen yeah, that fencing where it, where no but i have also seen that that wo dune niche chala jata hai then the fence is hanging huh? in the air <laughs> i have <laughs> seen now, those now it goes along the, now it does uh, it yeah goes, and it's beautifully lit it's virtually a tourist uh, place now people go i met them at uh, turtuk uh, hmm. number of times so as people i remember so you've seen this infantry humne filmo mein dekha hai i don't know whether this happens when when you are there and they are on the other side and this eyeball to eyeball like i in films they show that you know when you lose a cricket match kuch keh dete ho ye karte ho what happens is it true does it happen yeah, i must uh, share with you hmm. two incidents one in 1978 i was a tangdar okay posted ahead of baramula and uh, there's a nastachun pass which we used to call it sadna pass in the army most of these passes are named after some film these, actresses uh, <laughs> uh, names of these female actresses yeah. and some of these peaks also so if you say hema peak you know wo dimag pe rehte hema peak ya asha park hai ya ya sadna pass hai and all that kind of a thing so it was this is all in jammu kashmir for our viewers and listeners who live abroad in jammu kashmir we have a very strong presence and general kulkarni was there Uh, you're talking about the 1970s, sir. Sir, 1978. And uh, a, pl- a place called uh, Tangdar, and we were there. I was at a place, a post called uh, there, and uh, right opposite, overlooking Muzaffarabad. Now, Muzaffarabad is a huge thing. You, I could oversee on the Kishan Ganga River, Muzaffarabad. That's Pakistan-occupied yeah. Kashmir. Just sir, right for below. our and viewers and listeners and they abroad, were, they had a post which was just about 50 yards uh, in front of me, which was mined. and thing but generally very heavy snowfall usme to go it was new year so i thought uh, you know their company commander would rarely come hmm. rarely come and uh, as a youngster i was always there you know because nevai uh, ran i so that post was right in front and uh, opposite was there so the company commander okay so on top of my bunker i had written happy new year <laughs> 78 and so they also they must have said ki saab unka happy new year ho gaya par happy new year bola hai hum hum kya kare so their company commander whoever it was in the rear he must have told them ki wait i'm coming so after few hours their company commander came and their company commander came on top of the bunker and he told me saab ko bhejo so i came on top of my bunker i said happy new year he said happy new year i could make out that is quite senior to me hmm. and you know elderly looking pathan dress me and he was standing in front of me so we struck a conversation he said yaar mujhe yeh bata vishan singh bedi ko kaptani se kyun hata diya the vishan singh bedi was the captain and we had lost the series to pakistan and hmm. so he was you know trying to uh, poke <laughs> 
विशेष सिंह बेदी को हार जीत तो होती रहती है जी हार जीत तो होती रहती है ये नहीं करना था विशेष सिंह बेदी को ना कप्तानी से नहीं हटाना था तो ऐसे नहीं क्वेश्चन इज अ बोलर एंड और टाइम ही इज ऑल्सो एजिंग सो इज वॉन्ट टू रिमेन कैप्टन इज अपू दुएवर हैज टू बी द कैप्टन सो दिस काइंड ऑफ कॉन्वर्सेशन डू टेक प्लेस ये नहीं आई रिमेंबर वन ऑफ द चैप्स एट कट वुड you know it was a walnut wood piece lying over there a water point and aake chori karke le gaye goodness pakistani soldiers hai unhone kaha ye lakdi ka tukda bahut acha hai is walnut wood chori karke le jao aage chori karke le gaye because it's a water point where we would also go and get water and they would also go and get water so the carpenter probably not able to bring it up lug it up so the pakistan took that walnut ka piece lekar ke chale gaye in turtuk in uh, when we were there and there the water point and we have a problem with the water point because in these mountains it's very difficult to have water and this water would be from springs or through all this and so there was point water point 1 2 3 water point 1 they could come and collect the water whenever they wanted it water point 2 is there was a timing once the water time 1 uh, <coughs> had dried up water point 2 we had timings get morning they'll come After that they will not come, so they will be given two hours. How pani baro or jao? Water point three, no question. It was very much in our, and I had put a big drum. So over a whole day, the drum would get filled up, adequate for my men for water, kana, pina, nana, dona, sabo jayega. So water point one dried up. Water point two also dried up. Now water point three, the chaps are wanting to come and take water. I told them, I said, no way. I said, you have to handle it here. Where is your company commander? I said I am the company commander here. I am not going to let you uh, take water from me. You have whatever strength you have. I don't know what strength you have, but you are coming from top, coming down and taking water, Jerikan me or upper ledge. I won't let you take water from my water point. This is my exclusive. One, I have allowed you. You are still coming down. I have not said anything to you. Two, I have still allowed you. Okay, by Pani. Up three also. You won't believe that chap was a Baluchi. Another came down. ऐसे साहब जी हमारे यहाँ कोई कंपनी कमांडर नहीं है हमारे यहाँ कोई कंपनी कमांडर नहीं हमारी कोई परवाही नहीं करता है मेरे पास पानी नहीं है जवानों को मैं खाना कैसे खिलाऊंगा बर्फ तक नहीं है उधर तो आप मुझे कम से कम पानी तो ले जा मैं कहा कि पानी ले जाने दिया मैंने तो कोई एक चलो एक जेरिकेन दे दिया मैंने दो तेरे एक जेरिकेन और दो जेरिकेन से क्या हो जाएगा एंड नाउ माइंड यू That chap has come all the way down, like you're sitting next to me. He's sitting on one rock, and I'm sitting on the other rock. He's Kushman, and he's requesting, "Sir, water is not here." Bechara. Or I took out my, you know, packet of cigarette. I said, "Sir, cigarette, please." Or he took, say, and started smoking. So close, just this way, and we are all so because he said, "Sir, this is not my commander. You are sitting here. You are taking care of your soldiers. I am not here." मैं कहाँ से लाऊं मेरे जवाने तो जवानों को मैं पानी कहाँ से पिलाऊं खाना कैसे बनाऊं सो दिस इज पाकिस्तान एंड आई हैव सीन इट विद माय ओन आईज मेरे साथ तो हुआ ना तंगदार में भी हुआ और तंगदार वाज इन 1978 दिस वाज इन 1982 दिस इज बीन अ रियल इंटरेस्टिंग कॉन्वर्सेशन सर एंड दो आई एम नॉट फ्रॉम द कुमाऊ रेजिमेंट मे आई से राम राम इन कंक्लूजन एंड जय हिंद एंड गॉड ब्लेस यू एंड थैंक यू सो मच फॉर द सर्विसेज फॉर कीपिंग अस सेफ एंड ऑल द बेस्ट इन योर लाइफ थैंक यू वेरी मच इन दीड ऑनर्ड एंड अगेन एज आई सेट इट्स इज नॉट मी 
for God's sake, Kulkarni has no role to play. If not for the men, if not for the seniors, and if not for the colleagues, we are nobody. So all of us as a team, and we deliver as a team, and, uh, and that is how the morale of the Indian Army is sustained, and that is how hats off to our men who can deliver anywhere, anytime. We need not worry at all. Thank you so, then to the Jai Indian Hain. Army, to the Kumau Regiment, to you, General Saab, and all the best. Thank you. Jai Hind. Thank you. Thank you for watching or listening in to this episode. Do like or subscribe on whichever channel you have seen this or heard this. Namaste. Jai Hind. Jai Hind.